Hey friend, what's up? Thanks for checking out episode 73 of the Jock and Nerd podcast. On today's episode, you're going to get to meet Chicago-based comic book artist and illustrator Scott Larson. Not only is Scott from Chicago, he lives down the street from me, people, right here in Lincoln Square in Chicago, Illinois, USA, on the planet Earth. In fact, Scott used to go to Variety Comics, which is how our timelines kind of crossed. His new book, Visitations, is based in turn-of-the-century Chicago. So we talk a little bit about Chicago history, his artistic influences, and we geek out about a whole bunch of things, man. Make sure you check out the show notes at jockandnerd.com slash 73 for preview pages of uh, Scott's comic book and links to all his stuff and all the stuff we talked about. Listener, pay close attention because Scott is giving the first issue of Visitations away for free. How? Well, you got to listen to find out. Hey, don't say we never gave you anything. It's the Jockey Nerd Podcast with your hosts, Anthony and Imran. Jockey Nerd! Hey, welcome to the Jockey Nerd Podcast. I've had tons of coffee. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the jock. He's the nerd. Have you had any coffee, Anthony? I've never you don't I've drink coffee. drank one sip of coffee in my entire I life. can't. That's unbelievable. You've drank the whole pot before I did. you started this because I, you are unbelievable I right did. Now. I didn't mean to. I just wanted to have a cup and I ended up drinking the whole thing. Oh my God. Listener, bear with me. Let me take a breath. Because <sighs> we have a great show for you right now. Yeah. We've got an awesome in-studio guest joining us. Listener is local artist and illustrator Scott Larson. Scott, how's it going? Thanks for coming in. Good. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> you're a you're a neighbor and you're a local and how we met Scott goes back to episode fifty of the Jock and Nerd podcast and it goes back to Variety Comics. A bit. Love project. Uh, if you're a new listener, uh, check out episode fifty. There's a comic book store down the street called Variety Comics. No, there's not. Not anymore. It was Chicago's <laughs> longest running comic book store after 41 years. It shut down, and I did a little show uh, talking to the, the the customers and the people who work there, and just like the the vibe of this old school shop. And during the research of that show, I found a blog post by Mr. Scott Larson. You uh, used to you you went there for a long time as a as a kid. I did. I started going there. Um, actually, we we. Had, my family had lived outside the city for a little while. We lived in one of the suburbs. We would come in to see my dad all the time, and we would drive by it. And this was like 1975, wow. 76. And it was one of those places where there are these gigantic murals outside of yep. these superheroes. There That's, was, there was yep. Spider-Man and Captain America. And it was like this place of mystery because you didn't know what was going on in there. And every time we went by, it was closed. <laughs> or it looks like it's closed. Well, actually, um, looking back on it and knowing that it had been opened a lot, right. I think that I was just told it was closed. Ooh. And uh, just to like say, oh well, That's you know, we're driving by. It's yeah. closed. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, from the outside, not the friendliest looking place. And like in this blog post, I'll have a link in the show notes. Let's look. There he is with his brother in 1977. I. Always, uh, it's funny that you say that because. Really as a kid, I would I would drive by there, and I think I've mentioned this on the show, but I'd see those murals and be like, "What's that?" But then not know really. Like you said, it, I didn't see a door or anything. Right. So I was like, "Where? What is that place? Why are there pictures over there? What's going on?" And you'll know. See that this thing is familiar, right from the outside oh, yeah. of uh, uh, Variety Comics. I saved it. It's kind of Boeing, though, a little bit. If you look. Oh, yeah, well, you know, little. it's in better shape than the ones that are there now. Yeah. And there is nothing more heartbreaking. The the store has been closed since Halloween, 
and but none of the murals are taken down but but there were murals behind murals behind exactly. murals. Exactly. Uh, there was one behind this, and they couldn't right. get those down. I talked to them afterwards. They're, like, embedded in the, mm-hmm. the structure mm-hmm. of the – like, it's part of the wall of the right. building. Right. right. And, and so now it's just kind of falling into disrepair. And every time we drive by, I take a look, and I say to my wife, I really want them to tear that down. Mm-hmm. I want yeah. those gone because all it does is it shows how the shop is closed. Yeah. And it's a blight on the neighborhood now. Well, yeah, they're, they, I'm sure they'll do something. I like the gritty, like, I love the way the, the, the paint is peeling and the degraded look. Just artistically, yeah, yeah. it's really cool because it's just a cool pattern. But I see what you're saying. And if you look there now, you're like, what is this old Oh, it's uh, sad. It's a piece of my childhood that's dying in front of me. You have any uh, um, fun memories of the place you can you, you want to share? Um, you know, not too much past the um, past what I said on the blog on the blog that I wrote, which we'll um, have a link in the show notes yeah. for. Oh yeah, thanks. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. No problem. Um, but you know, I, I went in there and I can remember almost all the things I bought there. I bought the Dark Knight number one there. Wow. I bought I bought almost all the Secret Wars stuff, including the first issue where uh, where Spider Man gets the black costume. See, this is how I knew you. I was going to get along with Mr. Scott here because I have all these issues that you mentioned. I know I understand you have a big run of Spider Man. Mm-hmm. I have the same issue. He's a big Spider Man fan, Anthony. Sorry. Well, you uh, know, it's not that I don't like Spider Man. It's just Imran would have you believe he's the only character that ever existed in the entire universe. So. Uh, no, that's not true. No, it's not true. Mary not Jane true. exists. Yeah, see, you know, <laughs> the Green Aunt Goblin. Oh, all, yeah. oh, Jay Jones, see, I knew I was going to like this guy. Awful. So, yeah, you just bought a lot of key stuff and I, variety. Huh? I, I did. And, you know, I started out buying Batman and Star Wars. When, and that was the original. Uh, Marvel run of Star Wars, and then my friends brought brought me these you know new black costume Spider Man issues, and it was it was interesting because I started with number two fifty five, and I would go in and two fifty two was the one where he got the costume, yeah. and so I was watching you know I was basically watching it go up in price from week to week to week, and I remember going into Variety and they had it in a glass case. And at one point, a friend of mine came and said, oh, I, I spent $3 for this. And it's like, oh, my God, how can you spend that much money on a comic book? And I think I finally bought it from him. It was 5 <laughs> That was and a this lot. Was, it was a lot. You're like, I'm paying it $5 was. for this. And now it's worth a lot more. So it's well, like a good purchase. You know, uh, the copy I have actually is signed by Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends. Oh, cool. So I don't. You know, you take a look at some of the stuff, and I actually think that our childhood has been taken away from us and ruined by the fact that everything is collectible now. Yeah. And so I hate to take a look at this and say, oh, well, this is this much and this is this much, because once you do that and once you take comic books and put them into bags, they're nothing anymore. And it's one of the things that I don't like about the modern comic book store is all the back issues are in bags and, and boards and they're inaccessible to anybody. Wait, you don't. Th- but you got to protect them. You don't think you should put them in any well, kind of. Well, you know what? Uh, I, they should I just think... be loose. Yeah, why not? I, I miss the loose bins of comics. They well, you know, uh, Graham Crackers downtown in the Loop, where I do most of my shopping, they they're really smart because I guess all of these stores, them and Chicago Comics, which is over over near Boys Town. Yeah, that's a great store. It's a fantastic fantastic store. They have. Tons and tons and tons of back issues that aren't out because people come in and they sell this stuff. And yeah. most of this stuff, I was told by the guy in Chicago Comics that anything past the 1960s is worthless because everybody has Because there's so much of it from the uh-huh. 1960s. Wow, we talk a lot about it on the show. How- well, starting after the 60s. So the oh. 70s, the 80s, oh, the yeah. 90s. Yes. 
And he told me that his, so the basement of that place looks like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> oh, wow. That's so many um, and, and, and Graham Crackers is the same way. But what the Graham Crackers downtown is doing, and I don't know if they're doing this in the rest of the stores, is they have their back issue bins and they're 50 cents. Oh. And they're out there. They're unbagged. They're unboarded. And people can go in and just go through yeah. and buy stuff. That, that's better to get people uh, – it's less intimidating, I guess. Right. I see what you're saying. Uh, it's just become too collector-focused. Yeah, it's too much. It's – you know, uh, one of the things I liked about Variety and, and Larry's when that place was in existence – Larry's is another old school one. Yeah. You could go into those places and Variety, you know, when they closed, everything was bagged and boarded. But initially, it wasn't. Mm. They were stacks on, on, a, uh, on a table. Now, Larry's had stacks on the floor, and at one point, I was 10 years old, and I walked into his store, and it was, it was like snowing or raining outside, so my mm. shoes were wet. There were puddles on the ground, and I accidentally knocked over like the stack oh, of no. into the puddles, oh, no. and, he, and, and you know, I, he just looked at me, and, and Larry had this way of looking at you anytime. I, I mean, it didn't matter if you knocked anything over or not. He would look at you like, like you were horrible because you're a child coming into a store, yeah, yeah, yeah. even though he had a big picture of like himself as a superhero outside. That's, you know, it's so interesting, all these comp shop owners the adults who knew them like the guys but if you do them as kids they're all the same they were all kind of a little bit scary a little and a little mean and a little bit uh just not welcoming which is hilarious yeah it, it's really it's comic, but it's comic book guy from the simpsons um scott though you are also a comic book illustrator correct for, for how long now i've been a comic book illustrator for 10 years pretty much exactly professionally Wow. And nice. uh, you, uh, you've sent over your bio and talked about what are uh, some of the companies you've drawn for. Um, I've drawn for Zenoscope. I've drawn for Moonstone. Uh, AC Comics, I did most of the work for. Um, they put out a, a title called Femforce, and it's like this little black and white book. And it, it's fun. It, it's kind of a throwback book. And it, it's actually printed on their photocopy machines, I guess, in, in, <laughs> in, their, in their office. And they have the, the covers uh, sent out. But it, it's a great company. I've done stuff for Blue Water. Darren Davis over there is a really nice guy. There's there, – uh, I, I can remember one of the names real quick. He brought us um, a stack of comic books. I, le- I did. I left them out, out there. Yeah, we'll check them out. Yeah. Okay, um, they're really Marcosia cool. is, was one of the first people to give me work. And uh, Harry Marcos is in England. And I did this book called uh, Kong, Skin- King of Skull Island. Oh. And it's a King Kong thing. It's like a prequel to King Kong. Are they using that to make the movie? Yeah, it came out before the movie. Um, no, I'm should a, they use it to make this they, movie? Well, I, I there's a new movie coming out. I know out. there yeah. is. Yeah. I know there is. There's, I think there's something going on with that. Every once in a while, Harry will, will do a link on his uh, Facebook, pa- or Facebook page about it. Hmm. But and, and I think it's based off of that. It was actually based off a book that I think Dark Horse published. And it was a book of uh, photographs and just writing. And, they, and I'm drawing a blank on the artist's name who came up with it. He wrote it. And he drew it, and it was it was fantastic. He's a fantastic artist. And then they did that movie, yeah. the, the King Kong movie. Yeah. And Peter Jackson, I guess, claimed that he didn't know anything about the book. And when he was interviewed, the book was on the shelf behind him. Oh, oh no. no. Yeah. Uh, a little lifting here and there happens. It's Hollywood. What are you going to do? Yeah, so it was – but but it was a great book to work on. All the companies I've worked with have been fantastic. That's great. So your latest is what I was really interested in, why I wanted to come down and talk about uh, – it's called Visitations. Correct. And it ha- like I've always – growing up in Chicago, there's these two really old cemeteries, mm-hmm. Grace Hill and Roseland. 
The other uh, way around. No, You're no, no. Rose Hill and Graceland. I, I knew I was going to do that. <laughs> okay. Rose Hill and Graceland cemeteries. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, these old Victorian uh, type cemeteries that have been around since the – before the turn of the century, mid-1800s. Right. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you tell us what Visitations is about? Uh, visitations it takes place uh, around the turn of the century, and it's in Chicago's oldest cemetery, and you get to meet some characters. Some of them are alive. Some of them may not be. And I can talk a little bit about the characters now because I've started putting pages out. But uh, we follow the adventures of a magician named Clayton Blackwood. Okay. And he's kind of a magician and a treasure hunter kind of guy. And turn of the century Chicago was an interesting place. It was full of technology. The city had just rose in stature after being destroyed by the Chicago fire. So this takes place after the fire. Yeah, this takes place a good uh, 20 to 30 years after the fire. I'm glad you're touching upon this, too, because when we saw some of this stuff off the air, some of the more interesting stuff was the Chicagoland history that you had incorporated in some of the artwork. Well, one one of the reasons why I'm doing that is I don't know if either one of you have read The Time Traveler's Wife. Uh, no, but I've heard. Uh, I heard there was a movie, right? Also, the movie, the movie should well. not exist. The really, movie was oh, terrible. Whoa, wow. it was really terrible. I heard it was like a chick sci-fi. Yeah, uh, it was, and it thing. was terrible. Okay. Um, <laughs> the book, I I highly recommend it, especially if you're a Chicagoan. Um, really, because it's written by someone who teaches over at Columbia College. Okay. Uh, Audrey Neffenager, I believe her name is, and she used to work at. At the Newberry Library downtown. Okay. And so she brought some of that experience. And that book is a love letter to Chicago. The main characters in that book live in the Lincoln Square area of oh, Chicago. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. And there are scenes where they're driving past my house. Oh, <laughs> nice. And it's, it's a great book. Did the, was the movie, did the movie take place in Chicago? It did, but it was filmed in Canada. Uh, of course. Except for like a couple Van- of little Vancouver scenes. probably, yeah. Yeah. Vancouver is every city. Wow, I'll have to check that. It's but really cheap. is the There's book more sci-fi-y? It it is. Or is it's, it still like a romance story? It it is a romance story. D- don't don't kid yourself. Okay. But it's but it is very sci fi as well. Okay. The reason I bring the book up is, you know, you have the characters and you have the the romantic story. You have the sci fi story. It's really interesting. There's comedy. There's tragedy. There's everything under the sun. But at its core, the book is a love letter to Chicago. Okay. And it really made me appreciate the city. Now, with visitations, one of the reasons why I wanted to do it in Chicago is my I come from four or five generations of Chicagoans. My great-great-grandparents came here in, in 1869, before the Chicago Fire, actually. Wow. And um, and we've been here the whole time. Born and raised north side Chicago. Like, right. he grew up in this neighborhood, right? Correct. Pretty much. That's, that's wow. awesome. Um, in Lincoln Square. We're yes. Lincoln yeah. Square yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's really interesting. My wife and I have just moved back here after a 20-year absence, and I can walk through the streets and almost see my parents walking around. <laughs> um, it, it's, it, it's fascinating. But one of, the, one of the ways I came up with the idea for this story, if you don't mind me going yeah, into no, that. Yeah, absolutely. I found out that my great-great-grandparents were, were here and that they were buried in Graceland Cemetery. And so I went for a visit. And I, I went and and uh, in typical turn of the century fashion, they didn't have headstones. And so I just basically I walked to the cemetery, I found out where they were, I looked at an empty piece of gla- grass, and I left. And then my wife and I decided to go and take a look at the cemetery. And we and we went right after Halloween a couple of years ago, and it was like that fall weather where the the leaves are on 
are on the ground and there's just a hint of cold yeah. and it's kind of, you know, it's yeah. overcast. <laughs> and the first thing we did, we walk inside and we see the statue that looks like DC Comics Spectre. Yeah. I mean, it's just there. And it's like, oh my God, what is this? Like a hooded uh, yeah. figure. And then there's like this creepy little girl statue that's supposed to be haunted and she disappears when it rains. And, uh, and there's like an angel statue. And the thing about Graceland is Chicago's founding fathers are buried there. Yeah, so a lot. That Field one, yeah, my, Graceland and Rosa, lots of famous right. people are actually born there. It's pretty cool. B- buried there. Uh, right. buried, not, not born, born there. there. I mean, at the end, the other end. Not. Well, actually, uh, real quickly. Who's buried uh, in the cemetery? Well, there, yeah, there's a ton of people buried in the cemetery, but you want to talk about born in Chicago. Apparently, the person who was the head of the Church of Satan was born right around where the John Hancock building is. Hmm. And so the building is claimed to be haunted because of that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, there was a project I was um, I was supposed to work on for uh, First Comics, which is also based here in Chicago. And they had this big scene that took place at the John Hancock building. And I didn't understand why until I found out the history behind it. It's like that. a supernatural hotspot. Yeah. So there's a little bit of supernatural stuff in your book. Listener, there, he's, we have four uh, preview pages. I'll put those in the show notes so you can read them and uh, people can uh, check, it out. check out the work. Um, I love the detail in the cemeteries. So continuing with... That story, what did, how did that lead to this? Okay, so I find out that my uh, my great-great-grandparents were, were buried in Graceland Cemetery, and they didn't have headstones. So I thought, okay, I should check in and see what it would take to get them headstones. Oh, that's nice. And I was told by Graceland, well, there's this, there's this place that does all the headstones in the city. It's Gast Monuments. Oh, and yeah. And so I, I went over there. It's a family-owned business, and it's like one of the oldest family-owned businesses in Chicago. It's been around since the 1800s. Same family. It just goes on and on and on. And the person I talked to was – she was a teenager. I don't even I, – I, I believe she was out of high school. But she was really sweet. So it's a wonderful person named Katie Gast. And, uh, and I, I – you know, we had this wonderful conversation. And I became Facebook friends with her, and she started posting this stuff on Facebook. And it was one of those things where it was just like, okay, that's kind of weird. Okay, that's kind of creepy. Weird and morbid and things about cemeteries? Yeah. And, and not cemeteries, but monuments. Oh, monuments. And she posted this thing that was like the 10 weirdest monuments in Graceland. Or not even Graceland, in the world. And there was like the, this this monument of someone busting out of a tomb. And there was this monument of somebody holding a face up in front of it. And, um, and, and, a, and the, the haunted girl from Graceland was in there as well. And so I, uh, I, I thought, well, that's kind of weird and creepy. I don't know why she's posting this, but it's cool. <laughs> and, um, and, and one night uh, I, I went to bed. And I woke up the next morning, and the first issue was in my head. And a lot of it was based on the monuments that I had seen in there. Wow. So she gets a lot of credit for, uh, for this story as well. Yeah, you were, uh, you were taking us a little bit through the book and how it's, uh, it's kind of structured around the monument. Each monument is like a scene, and, uh, and uh, it's Correct. part of the overall narrative. Yeah, there, there's about seven major characters in this book, and um, the ringleader, if you will, is Clayton Blackwood. There is a, uh, a turn-of-the-century Chicago uh, teenager, a female, named um, Nellie McCullough, and her companion is a skeletal horse with wings. That's awesome. Um, there is 
also a, a, a couple characters I don't want to talk too much about. There is somebody without a head. Mm. Yeah, you see um, that in the preview pages. And, uh, and what, one of the things with this book is it's – I had pretty much come up with the whole story. And another Chicago uh, comic book person, Glenn Straczewski, who used to write the Justice Society of America for DC, he did a couple issues of The Flash. He did uh, – he created Prime for Malibu. Uh, he, I, I took it to him and I'm like, what do you think? And he said, well, who are these people? I'm like, I don't know. And he goes, okay, well, this is the background character for this person. And this is the background character for this person. And this little girl growing up, you know, her family did this and this and this and this. And he came up with all these backstories for the, uh, for the characters. It was like, okay. This is great. So Len fleshed it out for you? Like, did you bring him a, a plot or he wrote it, I, most of the plot? No. I had the plot. Okay. I brought him thumbnails. I'm like, what do you think? And he's like, I think it's really interesting. Um, and he had some suggestions for other characters that we can add in as time goes on. And one of the things about the old cemeteries, and it was in Chicago, but my assumption is it was all over the country. There used to be um, railroad tracks that went through the cemeteries. No. Some of them are still there. All right, I've noticed they go along the cemeteries. Right too, now, they used to go them. right through them. Wow! And a friend of mine is buried over uh, at a cemetery out by Irving and um, and Harlem. And this cemetery, his his grave is actually just past the railroad tracks. Oh wow! And so I was told by the guy uh, when I when I was looking for it, it's oh you, you just go through and there's these railroad tracks and as soon as you go past those, then you'll find the grave. I'm like okay. Um, so so trains used to bring people into the cemetery. Wow. That's weird. That's I'm, a I, weird concept. I'm, it is. I'm fascinated by the cemeteries of Chicago. I was just uh, – as to who's like uh, buried in uh, Rose Hill alone, uh, lots of mayors, lots of politicians. But I was looking this up earlier. Um, the all, Like Hinckley and Schmidt Water, you know Hinckley and Schmidt? Mm-hmm. Both Hinckley and Schmidt buried there. Montgomery Ward buried mm-hmm. there. Marshall Field buried there. Um, Ebert, Ebert's ashes are supposed to be delivered that. to, uh, Graceland, apparently. I, I heard that. I understood that. I, I actually asked, uh, Katie when I was in gas monuments about that. And it was, it was funny cause she was so young. She didn't know who Roger Ebert was. And so she, <laughs> she went to her dad and, and again, this is a generational place. Yeah. She went to her dad and her dad's like, he's buried there. So they haven't. Oh, he done didn't anything. even know. Yeah, I heard right. it was. Uh, it's it's in the works. So did you? Was there a lot of sketching in the cemetery for this book? There was absolutely no sketching in the. Oh cemetery. man, based I off just, your memory. Um, I did look at photos. Photos, okay. I did look at photos, and you know, some of it I don't. I don't want to get too literal to the monuments because I don't. You know, there is a respect the dead issue there. Mm. There is a respect the resting place issue there. And uh, there was there was a book about some of the Chicago gangsters, and um, excuse me, uh, it, it was actually it, it was a book about the uh, the guy who masterminded the St. Valentine's Day massacre. Oh yeah, and um, and the person who wrote the book, you know, he said, "Well, this person's buried here. This person's buried here. This person's buried there. These aren't spectacles. These were real people mm-hmm. and real lives." And so, you know, you can go there. People go to Al Capone's grave all the time. Yeah. And if you see a photo of it, it's like the grass by it is like worn, worn out, out by from all the where, visitation. Yeah. Where is he buried? He's buried over on the south side someplace. Oh, okay. And it's um, 
Imran's going to go visit. Uh, I, might, uh, I might take a trip down there. I didn't even think about going to visit Al Capone. It's great. Yeah, great. We got the Green Mill up here. We do. You know, and I love going in there and just like imagining uh, him back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I love this uh, this this timeline of Chicago. How are you? Uh, how are you doing research to like get the the, the look of the old school streets and uh, there are photos out there. They're, okay, so, there, using a lot so of, what yeah. timeline is this? Well, um, I, I've got a, I, I've got a couple. Uh, there are ser- different series planned. Okay, yeah, let's and, go. Yeah, what could a, a reader expect out of visitation? Okay, like what well, kind of style of story? Um, well, basically, so let me let me tell you a little bit about the first series. The first series starts with basically a coming together of the different characters, and we've got we've got the horse girl character, we've got Clayton Blackwood, we have we have uh, the Beast Six Six Six, we've got um, you know uh, the the headless guy. And um, and they all kind of come together in the same story. And one of the things that I always admired about comics, um, specifically John Byrne, if you take a look at his early Alpha Flights, and it was like the first issue had all the characters. And then for the next 12 issues, it was like, okay, we're going to talk about North Star now for two issues. And we're going to talk about it this It was focus on one of them right. and you get to know the whole team slowly. Right. And, and the old Justice Society stories were like that too, the stuff back in the 40s. Where they come together at the beginning, and then they have all these solo adventures, and then they come together at the end. And so that's basically what I'm going to do here is um, the first series takes place around the turn of the century. And so there's the coming together issue, and then it spins off into different d- different stories. And just to um, – I can give you a couple titles of the, of the stories if you're interested. Yeah, of course. Uh, we've got Mayhem at the Levee. We've got um, – And what was – you said what was the levy? The levy was the notorious red light district. That, oh, that's that was, right. This um, is great. That was just yeah, south of, of Chicago. Yeah, our listener on that. Um, actually, you've got the computer up. Take yeah. a look. Um, there, there were – it was basically brothels and gambling houses everywhere. And, and the underworld of Chicago actually rose from that. The person who was in charge of the underworld around the turn of the century was uh, Big Jim Colosimo. Uh, and he was also known by Diamond Jim. He is – I don't know if he's actually going to appear in this series, but his um, presence is known. Yeah, because that's those uh, – the, in the preview pages, those thugs are working for him, right? Correct. They mentioned his name. It's crazy to me Correct. that there was even a red light district So there was a red light district in Chicago from the 1880s until 1912 when the police raid shut it down. And how quickly did you say they shut it 15 down? 15 minutes. How do you shut down a whole red light district in 15 minutes? They wanted to. <laughs> Uh, uh, up until that point, they didn't. They care. didn't want to. Up until so, that point, I'm imagining correct. like you. Have you seen Deadwood? Like Deadwood style brothels, uh, Wild West kind of uh, area, South Dearborn so what, Street. What, you said they wanted to. What what happened? What was the thing? Um, we have to shut this down. Well, what, what was going on was they, they, um, the the prostitutes and the um, the pimps were getting bolder and bolder, and it was a lot of these places were run by madams. And there's this great book called Sin in the Second City. And uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember who wrote it, but um, it, it, it follows the uh, adventures of the Everly sisters and uh, not to be confused with the Everly brothers. Brothers, yeah. Uh, and, very talented. And, but these were, uh, these were uh, madams who ran, ran this brothel and they had like an arch enemy girl and, and she, she ran like another brothel and they were always kind of like trying to outdo each other. And so the Everly sisters started handing out pamphlets. 
And so visitors of, to Chicago would see these pamphlets, mm-hmm. and one of them ended up on the mayor's desk. Oh, no. <laughs> now, now, the mayor knew about the levy, and he knew about the Everly I'm sure sisters. they were just turning a blind eye to it at oh, the time. Oh, absolutely they were. They gave uh, a little kickback probably, but like, yeah, yep. yeah, you guys, yeah. it's fine. Just yeah, keep there, it over there. Was, there. Just there pay was your taxes, we're good. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't – I don't even think there are taxes. Yeah, probably back not. Just give me some money. Yeah. And then he's Wait, like, pamphlets. Well, that that was bad. Um, one of the things that was worse was uh, their their nemesis. And I can't remember her name off the top of my head. They were like driving around, and you know, driving back then was in a horse and buggy. Um, but they were driving around, and she was driving around over by City Hall, and she was wearing this this real loose shirt, and one of her chests fell out, <laughs> and it was in public, and it was like in the middle of the afternoon. And they're like, we can't have this anymore. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Like, and so they just shut the whole place down in fifteen minutes. Unbelievable. Thing down. Unbelievable. So Minnie Ever Minnie Everlay, is that the girl's name? Yes. Okay. Uh man, uh, that this would make a great HBO show. Somebody should turn this into like a Deadwood style called the Levy and just like in that in the brothel district. Well he's gonna Chicago. make he's gonna he has a story in it. Yeah, we we do have a story in it. <laughs> so that series will be based uh, in, in that area in that time. It'll be yeah. based in yeah. that area. Okay. It's not I don't it's not think it's it, gonna right? yeah, it's yeah. not gonna be based on any particular history. Okay. What um, are the other titles then? Uh the we've got series? Death on the Elevated because there was there's the L in Chicago, but yep. at the time it was pretty new. And uh the Great Balloon Disaster, which is actually our second issue. What was the great yeah, balloon great disaster? disaster? Okay, you know what? I just kind of made it up. <laughs> but then, but then, oh, shit. yeah, I got you. <laughs> but then I found out that there was this white city balloon race in like 1908, and I'm like, oh, that's great. That counts. That's yeah. It, it sounds that like works. a thing that could happen. So, um, and I can actually give you a little bit of background on that one because it is going to be our second issue, and it kind of it's one of the reasons why I wanted to come and talk to you guys. Uh, this the second issue takes place. At the at the uh, White City balloon race, and it's basically balloons that are that are are crashing for various reasons, and um and the horse girl Nellie McCullough and her horse Kincaid uh, are actually trying to go from balloon to balloon and stop them from 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 crashing. Mm. Oh, cool! Um, Jumping around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, oh look, there some is. pictures on Pinterest. Of, um, these are the large uh, weather balloon type mm-hmm. balloons. Uh, that's so, but so there was a lot of disaster. Well, there is in my story. In his story. Okay, not but in the not real, in not the actual real, thing that no. didn't happen. Right. And um, one of the reasons why I wanted to even bring that up is the way, the way I'm releasing these books, um, I, I'm, I'm throwing a few things at the wall and seeing what, what hits. And the first issue is available for free to anybody and everybody who wants it. All you have to do is email me, and it's visitationscomicbook at gmail.com. And uh, I will send you a PDF of the first issue. That's wow. fantastic. Listener, uh, how, wait, how, we, how, oh, listen, say that again. I don't think you just heard. And how soon can this happen? Like, how soon can um, email you about this? And get you send it, send it to me now. The art for the story is done. The script for the first five pages is done. Um, and my plan was to release this around the time of C2E2. So, okay. so the book is coming out in March. This is very smart. And, uh, th- that's a great distribution method. A lot like, mm-hmm. you know, indie bands, you, you kind of want to give away uh, something first, you know? 
give the give the first song away, give a single away, give the first book away, mm-hmm. and get a lot of uh, buzz people, for it. Yeah, and then you then you can uh, you can charge. So, listener, you can email at what was it? Visitation Comics at Gmail. Visitation Comic Book at Gmail. Visitation Comic Book right. at Gmail dot com. It's the email you've been emailing. Me okay, on. it'll be uh, there's a link in the show notes. So, what is your moving forward? What is your plan for distribution? Okay, How? so so the second issue, the one I'm talking about now, is um that's going to be a crowdfunder. Okay. Nice. And I'm I'm not I've never done a crowdfunder and my feelings on them is that there's too many of them. And there's too many people asking for asking for funding with stuff that nobody knows about and nobody cares about. And the reason that the first issue is for free is because I want people to see it. Mm. I want people to like it. If you want to see more then you can do the crowdfunder. If it's unsuccessful, we'll find a different way to get it out to you. But um, but I really I, I want to see what happens more than anything else. I love that strategy because I, I will agree. There's a lot of Kickstarter things for everything. It's a little overwhelming, and if you are new. How do I know that this is going to be like you're showing me preview things? But how do I know it's going to be any good, anyways? Right. Well, there's no yeah, there's no fan base. There's no audience for this. No one's no one's actually requesting something that they've Correct. never seen before. Exactly. The Kickstarter mm-hmm. works when you have a fan base right. and demand, not right away. You know, and so giving out the first book free is great. Are you going to be at C2E2? Are you going to? Uh, no, I'm trying to figure out the logistics of that. But one way or another, either I will be or I will have uh, people helping me out. When is C2E2? And for the, our listener that's not in Chicago, it's a local Chicago comic It's book gotten convention. very big. And All Anthony, right. we're going to apply for press passes. We may be there. We may stop by for a little okay. uh, audio snippet and uh, hanging out. Uh, Jock and Nerd style. And when, when is C2E2? Um, it's like the middle of March, I Let's believe. I think up. it's Let's right, it right yeah. around St. Patrick's Day. We'll get, we'll get a date for the listener. I thought it was in April. Riveting, Imran. March 18th through 20th, 2016. So it is earlier. Uh, I would like us to get some – I'm going to apply, see what happens. Well, at at, at present time, I do not have a table. Okay, but – But you'll figure out a way. Hopefully you'll be there. It'll be great. Um, That's that's smart though to release it around that time when there's a ton of buzz around the Chicagoland area. Well, I hope so. You know, uh, is this are you going to do digital, but ultimately print? Uh, what's your plan for uh, um, a finished and actual? You know what? Book? It's it's really tricky. I was at C two E two last year, and I was handing out the the image of, of Nelly and Kincaid, and the, you know there was some interest in it. And the thing I was asking people was, do you want do you read stuff digitally or do you read the print stuff? And nine times out of ten, it was digital, digital, wow. digital. Wow, really. Mm-hmm. Like look at look at what I got. I got like three thousand comic books in here, and uh, I think we're old school in the fact that we still read paper. Although it is like think about Netflix. Like it is, it makes sense. You hear like oh the latest issue of this thing was really good. Mm-hmm. All you gotta go is boop boop download. Here I'm reading it right now. Right, true. But the flip side of that is um, one of the one of my friends works over at Graham Crackers, and she's very personable, very very lovely person, and, and she's helping me. Um, sell some of the printed copies. So I'm going to do a print on demand. Oh, I don't great. know how many issues yet. That's great. I'm trying to figure that out. But uh, but Allie has been great with that. She's like, oh, I've got plans for this. You know, we can talk to this people. We can talk to these people. And, and places like Chicago Comics are great too because they, they have, have a lot of independent independent books. There. Well, it's not and so much that press. they have independent and small press. They have a local comics creator corner. Oh. And it's right when you walk in. Oh yeah, 
And it's yeah, it says it right there mm-hmm. over on the on the one side. That's right. uh, that's great. And I've talked to them a little bit about it too, and and they've been, you know, they're like, yeah, here, just fill this out. I noticed your Facebook friends with Todd Dezago. Yes. We talked to Todd Dezago on oh, the did show. Oh, yeah. had him on the show. He, you should listen to that show. Is he? He is awesome. We love Todd because he's a friend of another guy I went to art school with who works at Saturday Night Live. Okay. And uh, they uh, th- did they work on a book together? I forget. Everyone. And then I was like, wait, how are you Facebook friends with Todd? Also, like everybody knows. Everybody Todd. Else. Todd's done some like horror stuff too, right? The, uh, the yeah, book, I believe Rappinots. Yeah, well, no, that's yeah, that's his own book, and it's like uh, super, sci-fi. it's supernatural yeah. sci-fi with uh, urban legend myths. You know that that, that he creates characters. Uh, how do you know Todd? I don't. Oh, okay. He's just he was, yeah, yeah. I, when I first got on Facebook, it was like, oh, hey, there's Dan Jurgens. I'm going to be friends with him. Oh, hey, there's this suggested person. friends. He's right. a, dude. He's so friendly. He's such a great guy too. Uh, check out that show. I forget what episode. If you just search I, for, I definitely for Todd, he and he talks about like the Clone Saga. He mm-hmm. was there when it like it was only supposed to be four issues, mm-hmm. and he's into like Bigfoots and weird super ghosts. He was telling us ghost stories. He was. He gave me goosebumps during that episode. Oh, that's great. Like he was telling us. He got Anthony all scared. <laughs> what? Well, I, I, you know, I, I I have to make a comment about the Clone Saga since you brought it up. All right, you know what? Let's get into Spider Man a little bit because I know you're a sure, big Spider Man fan. I can do that. Sorry, Anthony. Uh, what's your comment about the Clone Saga? I thought it was excellent. What? I loved All of it. it. Now, come on. All right, well, great. You know, this is good. I want to hear this because oh. Imran bashes that every time he, he gets bashes the Star Wars Episode One, Two. But you know what? Are you gonna do? <laughs> See, he's listened to the show. <laughs> he's also he likes the Phantom Menace. I know. I heard. He could get I into saw this. it ten times in the theater when it came out. Okay, so if Ray, listen, well, for we're a quick sidebar. Uh, Scott has seen Force Awakens five times now. Rank for me the Star Wars movies. I can't. Oh, and shit. the reason I can't is this. Um, and I, I was talking to, to somebody about it last night. And, and she's like, oh, I only saw the prequels once. And, but, oh, I like the originals. I'm like, well, that's great. I said, do you, did you read Harry Potter and watch the movies growing up? Oh, yeah. How would you have felt if you started with number five and went back to number one? What would number one have been like? She's like, it would have sucked. I'm like, yep. Uh, I see. And so the Star Wars saga in and of itself is one great big story or one great big book. And so I, 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 I don't j- rank them because they're part of the same story. You can't rank chapter one against chapter 10 in a book if you're reading it. That's a good point. It is like chapters of the one story. You're going to be able to convince him by the maybe in the next two minutes that episode one was good. He'll, no. he'll come around on it because he's easily convinced. Well, well you know what? I will say he this. He won't kiss anyone's ass. Okay, okay. I, I, I will say this. You know, um, I, I do like The Force Awakens. It, it's, it took me a little while to warm up to it. I, n- I never thought it was bad, but there were things in it that bothered me. And um, But one of the things that I don't like about the movie is there is a real lack of alien characters. And you take a look, and specifically... Episode one, everyone hates Jar Jar Binks, but I deny you the opportunity to try and tell me that he didn't look real. It was a fully real – I mean, the, yeah, there was, a, there was new stuff. That was the only thing is like Lucas was trying new things. Um, there are parts – like I like Grievous. There's parts – the pod racing is cool. But I just I don't like the little young Anakin. I think the cast was a little off with that one. And have you seen them since you saw The Force Awakens? No, I haven't. You know, it's really interesting I because go back again. Hey, are you on Twitter? Yeah, you're yes. on Twitter because yes. we're we're following each other on Twitter. 
at Chuckanerdcast on Twitter. And, and it's, a, it's a great Twitter feed, by the way, guys. Yeah, see, there <laughs> oh, you there go. you go. Cheap plug. Uh, oh, I like this guy. <laughs> um, but the, uh, there, there's a Twitter, uh, a Twitter person calling himself Emo Kylo Ren. Uh, yes, I've read some of it. He's so, pretty funny. It's so great, but yeah. it's also true. And there was one with, with a Starbucks cup that said Let's Kyle. Some of these, yeah. And and it was and his and his his listing was I hate everybody, and and you know you take a look at that character and it's like yeah that's who he was, and you go back and you look at Anakin from from the prequels it's like God he was actually a strong character you know Kylo Ren is like this kind of whiny like kid who's throwing temper tantrums that's and that's funny you, have, you mentioned that too well, I'm sorry to interrupt oh, no, but, but no, real no. quick as a, I'm a non Star Wars fan mm-hmm. yeah I saw the Force Awakens and that was my first initial take is. Kylo Ren, his character is interesting because he's kind of like not this like confident villain. Mm-hmm. But I came out of it like he's kind of a whiny bitch. Yeah, absolutely, he <laughs> no. is. But it's continue, like you know yeah, he's, he's hitting himself to try to bleed more. Yeah, and it's like who does things like that? Yeah, yeah. Just like and he lo- throws temper tantrums where he just like destroys. Oh yeah, which is hilarious. No... Uh, but yeah. you were saying Anakin was a strong character. Yeah, he yeah. ended up looking like a really strong character. He could race a pod. He could he could build C three PO. Yeah, he. I mean, he could. He, yeah. I mean, th- I think that you go back and the worst thing about that, and and this is the unforgivable part about those sequels, is the acting is so bad in two and three. Oh, um, and specifically Hayden Christensen. Yes. Mr. Wooden, he wasn't good. Wooden doll. I've never seen no. two and three. No, he was, he was really bad. Very and there, stiff. there are these romantic scenes in the second movie, which the, the second movie is actually, um, I, I believe that it was created to be a, um, a crowd pleaser because you have Django Fett and you have this arena scene and you have these, all these huge lightsaber the armies and all the droids. And, right. And right smack in the middle of this movie are these terrible. Terribly acted romantic scenes. Yeah, you don't buy it at all. No, and and as a matter of fact, um, I I I kind of um, bulk watched the Star Wars films before seeing this, and I was sitting at the drawing board during the romantic scenes, and it sounded like two teenagers reading Shakespeare in front of a high school classroom. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, if you close yeah. your eyes and listen yeah, to it, it's bad. was Portman just as bad? Yes. And yeah. she's she's developed into a pretty fine actress. Well, she was great in episode one, but yeah. but I think that she was dragged down by the bad acting. So I, oh, wow. I actually plus have, she was in those crazy costumes. Like uh, there wasn't a lot of movement, lots of makeup. Yeah. I felt it's her her acting suited her character a little bit more. Uh, whereas Hayden Christensen was just come on, he needed to be a little more emotional. A little yeah, more he empathic. was he, he was bad, but but I have a recommendation for watching episode two. Okay. You watch the movie and get to the romantic scenes, yeah. and you change the language on it. You change it to French, and that <laughs> Did helps. That, help? ah, that's that helps, and you read you read the lines, and the lines are fine. You know what that means is that French subtitle person was a way better well, actor. The French oh, yeah. voice actor was yeah. really, like, really, really legit. Stupid Hayden Christensen. Bleh. Are you familiar with Machete Order of how to watch the movies? Yeah, I, I, I don't. You don't like that? that? I, I don't. I kind of like that because it makes sense to like uh, cut. And you, you'll, you will be able to get Imran to not believe in that now. Hey, he didn't okay. turn me on Phantom Menace exactly. <laughs> All right, look, wait. We were talking about Spider-Man. How the fuck did we get over I'm here? I'm glad we're not talking about Spider-Man. No, this but is great. My man, Scott, how many Spider-Man comic books do you have? Amazing um, Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man, I have every one. No, no. Like from uh, Amazing one? Fantasy 15. You have that. Look, I bought this at Whole Foods. It's right behind you. I have to I, frame I, it. I, I do have it, and I did not buy it at Whole Foods. Well, no, that's just the poster. You have Amazing Fantasy 15 from yes. 1 through all 700 issues. Let me ask you something. You have yeah. Amazing uh, Fantasy 15. Oh, shit. Holy crap. You have it? Do you have it bagged and boarded? That I do. <laughs> Graded? 
What's that? Do you have a grade no. at CGC? No. What condition? I know the reason I asked about the bagging board. Yeah, because see, that one you got. That is a what condition? What, what grade? It's beat up. That, but still, but you even, have it. It doesn't dude, matter. Yeah. Even with the cover ripped off. It's, it's right. that's a fu- I would love to have that. That's amazing. That's incredible. I don't know about the cover being ripped off. I would still, I'd still, it'd still be worth thousands of dollars. I assume mm-hmm. thousands. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. But that, I mean, you have, and then you have Amazing Fantasy or not Amazing Spider-Man One. Yes, all five of them. Wait, oh, there's only five number ones. Yeah, left. Uh, well, 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 no, 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 no. I'm sorry. Uh, the, the, oh, the five uh, titles, right? Yes. Because there was Spider-Man number one again. There's a lot of Spider-Man, like this Todd McFarlane Spider-Man uh, number one. No, I'm talking about specifically amazing. You know, they stopped it in the 90s when John Byrne came on and he had a new number one. And then, uh, and then they did the – actually, I guess there's only four of them. But after Superior Spider-Man, Dan Slott, like, started again. Oh, the, within The with, Amazing, there was five, four, four number ones. Right. right. Okay, that's your time. And, and then yeah. there's the latest one, too. Yeah. Which Let's, is, yeah. How did you... How long did it take you to get all this? How did you get all this stuff? Where did you start? What was your first Spider-Man comic? One question one was, at a time. Sorry. <laughs> the first one was number 255. Okay. And, and that I was talking about, uh, about that with uh, the Variety Comics. That's where I got it at. And, and and then somewhere along the line, and I think it was before I even found number 252, I found number 25. And I, I got that at Larry's. And it, it was beat up, but it was from that old Spider-Man cartoon with the robot with James, J. Jonah Jameson's face. Oh, yeah. The Spider-Slayer. Yeah, oh, Spider-Slayer. Yeah. And it was like, ooh, how close to the cartoon is it? Even though I was like older then. Um, and it was fun. And the artwork was oh, really fun. good. You know, and the, and at the time they were publishing Marvel Tales, and so I started buying that, and they were doing the Steve Ditko Marvel Tales, and I, I was I was buying those and, and reading those, those. Those were the reprints of like from yes. the beginning, yeah. So you get to read the the right. old school run, right? But then I started finding the originals, so I was actually kind of skipping ahead on my Marvel Tales because I was finding the originals, and I found like the last few Ditkos, and then I kind of filled in the blanks, and the uh, the way I got almost all of them, all the old ones was I, I was working over by Loyola University, which was really close to, uh, to Larry's comic shop. And I walked into Larry's, and somebody had just sold their entire collection to him. Mm. And at the time, I had just, um, I just started working, so I actually had money. I was living at home. I, I, I had money. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I can buy this. So I went in there for like a couple of days in a row and bought the whole thing. So you, oh, so you got you bought most of your stuff into one fell swoop, big, right? Uh, did this did this did this run include some of the harder to find? Uh, no, it didn't. Books? And um, the the funny story about that is the first issue with the Punisher, which yes. is number one twenty nine. One twenty nine. Anthony that has that one. Okay, um, I walked into. Oh, how much did it cost you? Uh, I think it was like two fifty, two hundred or two fifty. Okay, one of the between that. I walked into um, this this little comic book shop that doesn't exist anymore over on Devon Avenue, and um, and they had it, and it was like sixty dollars. Now I didn't realize at the time it was sixty dollars. This is nineteen eighty nine. Oh yeah, that's expensive. And I was gonna buy the the issue where the Green Goblin dies, which is number one twenty two. Yeah. And, and so I bought that, and I'm like, oh, I'll throw that Punisher issue in too. And the guy's like, $80. And I'm like, okay. And I hand it to him, and I was like, God, that was really expensive. What what happened? <laughs> and, and so so then I realized I just spent $60 for a comic book. I'm like, oh, my God, what did I do? <laughs> 
Uh, at, at the time, but again, that's a good investment. You yeah, want that book. Um, what shop on Devon? Do you remember where that was? Yeah, it was at Devon and Damon. It was like right across the street from um, from the um, – is it the Sacred Heart or the Misericordia Homes place? That's and, where I grew up, dude, on Devon and Levitt. I think, yeah. I used, I think that's the that's – the, remember I told you the story of when I shoplifted at that comic book store? I think that's that was the, you. I, that's the same store he was going to because that's the only one there on Devon. Yeah, I, I think, grew, I I think grew up what, I, what I really want to know is how did you acquire Amazing Fantasy 15 and the original Amazing Spider Man number one? Um, it's got to be a story there. Yeah, I actually got tricked into buying Amazing Fantasy 15, and what had happened was I saw it on eBay. This recent, uh, this was before the recession. Okay, Where, okay. When um, you know money was like free flowing and everybody yeah. was having like a good time. Mid 2000s. Yeah. All right. And uh, a buddy of mine, I was talking to him. He's like, and I'm like, yeah, you know, Ma- Amazing Fantasy 15 is like on eBay. Oh, you should buy that because after that, everything else is easy to get. It's like, well, I have almost everything else. And and he kind of like egged me on about it. And so I put in an offer. And 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 I think it was going for like eight hundred or something like wow, that. Wow, that's, that's not a, bad at all. And I put in an offer, and then somebody came up and like counter offer. You yeah. know how eBay yeah, works. Yeah, yeah. And and so I was just like, okay, well, let's see how you do if I put an extra two hundred dollars in. And, and so I did, and, and he ended up like driving the price up, and I got it at the last second because you know you you put a. a, a I probably shouldn't say this, but you put a ginormous amount of money down, and it doesn't show. And so you can go in. Oh, great! And, and no, everyone knows. To, and then okay. if they don't, yeah, you can bid up, but then it'll only do it uh, uh, incrementally. Until, yeah, right. where the other, it'll do it incrementally until it hits yours, right. and, then and it'll, it'll auto it'll stop you, right? And right, it'll yeah. auto do it right away. Like once someone bids, it'll be like, "Boom!" This person just bid. You. Like, how did they do it so quickly? Mm-hmm. But right. it's just because of that bid up to this much for me. Right. 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 So that's what got it. That's who Yeah, yeah. So I accidentally it. bought it and I was just like, oh no, what did I just do? You weren't happy? I would have been uh joy. I'm like, I got it. I well, I yeah, got it. but you know, it's I'm a freelancer. Yeah. And well, and you're that's you're true. putting down a lot of money for yeah. a comic book. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a special comic book. Yes. But it is and and I do collect. But at the same time it was like, eh, I don't know if I should have done that. Then or it not. will appreciate. And it will. Do you would like, you ever turn around and sell? If I sold my Amazing Spider-Man collection, someone would have to buy the entire thing. I'm not splitting it up. Okay, so yeah. but that's that's the smart way to do it, yeah. though. Yeah. Well, it, it's actually oh, no, not. no, it's actually not. I'm sorry, it's not. To piece no. it out is the best. You'd way make to do right. it. if you were gonna wanted to make the most money. To make the but, most right. money, right? Who right. the fuck's got time to do that? That's a pain in the ass. And like my collection, I've had like I have like three thousand comic books here. I got another three thousand at my mom's house. I'm, I'm like not planning on selling. Well, I don't well, know what I'm going to do. What with would it. you? What would be? What would be your price to sell the entire? I, I have no clue because <laughs> I'm really not I'm thinking a, about it. I'm no, a, should I make him an offer? No, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm just wondering what he would, what the value you would because put I would just the fact that you have the whole run is so impressive and so geek movie. Yeah, it's awesome. So you also mentioned that you uh, were influenced a lot by uh, Ron Friend's era of Spider-Man. Yeah, well, you know, I, I first discovered him. He was doing Star Wars. Oh, and, yeah, Marvel and, had Star Wars. Yeah, back Marvel in the had 70s. Star Wars, and um, and he did a really fantastic job on that. 
and he was drawing Spider-Man when I got it, when I when I started reading it. And so, you know, I I like the Todd McFarlane stuff. The Todd McFarlane stuff is fun, but Ron Friends was it for me. Yeah, when I like the first issue I bought when I started buying in when I was in sixth grade, it was the the proposal where he proposes to Mary Jane. Okay, so that was like in between the Todd McFarlane mm-hmm. right after, and then I yeah, it was John Romita Jr. It was John Romita Jr. It was great, and then so I bought I like caught up on all the black costume stuff and mm-hmm. gang war. You've read the black costume saga? Did you ever even read that? I've not read the whole Cause thing. Because Ron really. Friends drew, like, the first issue Spider-Man was back. Didn't he draw that issue in Amazing? Right. And he would draw, like, I have a links. So I'll put some uh, links in the show notes. But just the way the black costume would, like, meld into other things. And his, uh, the, Peter was very tall. It was very realistic. Like, uh, how would you describe his artwork? Like, very l- good linky figures, a lot of great gesture. You know, you know there's that. Very but iconic. The, it, it was very detailed. And I go back and I look at it, and the thing I liked about his artwork the most was the way he drew hands. I've always said the that's how you know a master draftsman, a master drawer, is you look at how they draw hands. Because that is by far – I'm an artist also. I've, mm-hmm. I, I went to school for illustration. And where would you go to school? Uh, Pratt Institute in Brooklyn. It's the only school oh, that ever no existed kidding. according to Imran. That's the only one I applied to. But, <laughs> no, it's uh, the only one that ever Imran ever taught. It's the only so you were in New York. Ever yes, about. I, was okay. a, I was born and raised here. went to Brooklyn for like five years mm-hmm. to go to school and came back. But – you, if you, if a person can draw hands, you know right. that they're good. And because, feet. And feet, yeah. Because a lot of times the artists will cheat the hands, and and that's how you know they're hiding. Who, who something. created Deadpool? Rob Liefeld. Rob Liefeld draws feet really he well. Never drew feet. <laughs> you notice? Well, you know the the thing feet, about Todd McFarlane too was, uh, you know, he'd draw the Hulk, and there were always like these gigantic dust. Dust of smoke coming covering up. up covering yeah, up and it was things. like he was Pigpen or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very sneaky trick to look for. So, wait, going back to Rod Friends, what do you like about Rod Friends? So, so the hands, I the always, hands, yes. I, I was really, I just thought that was so well done. And I like, I loved his faces. I love the way he drew Peter Parker. And I, you know, he went, he yeah, went great. and he did Spider Girl, and it was more of the John Romita stuff. I like John Romita. Well, he, but cre- his, didn't he, well, didn't they create the Mayday, Mayday Parker Spider Girl? Yes. He, he and Tom yeah. DeFalco did. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And uh, and I always loved DeFalco's writing as well. I uh, I went to uh, Ron Friends' website. Did you know you could buy yes, I did uh, some art? I was like, what? Look, check this out. And it's only, look, 500 bucks. It's an alternate cover, unused cover to Amazing Spider-Man 269. That's pretty cool. A fully penciled cover, I would pay 500 bucks for that. Well, you know, one, one of the shames about the, the old illustrators, the old comic illustrators, is if you were a name, you know, like Todd McFarlane, he'll always have work. John Romita Jr., who's one of my favorites, by the way, he'll always have work, too. Someone like Ron Friends, who was just, I loved his artwork. Is he doing anything now? I don't think I so. I don't think so, mm-hmm. yeah. He's not doing much. Um, I think he was doing Archie for a little while. You know, Archie is kind of like the graveyard for comic book illustrators because that's where they end up. Except, have you seen the new the Archie? The new stuff, right. Mark Wade, Fiona Staples. It's really fun. I've been reading some of it. It's like, it's totally different, updated. It's like an indie comic, uh, very hip. It's, uh, they did a good job uh, uh, rebooting it, sort of, for this generation. But Ron Friends drew that whole, that whole thing where... Um, Peter would have the dreams, and the two costumes are like oh, yeah. fighting. He drew that issue. He drew the issue where he got rid of the the, the symbiote the first time. You know, right. off of the when. Well, that was the same one. Yeah. Oh, that right. That was yeah. That was two fifty eight, and because um, one time uh, it got shot off by the sonic blaster same by Reed issue. Richards. Okay, same that's issue. that one. When uh, when that issue came out, because we we were all really, and when I say we, my friends and I were all really involved in what was going on with Spider Man. 
and I bought that the day it came out. I remember it was like August of 1984. I bought it at Variety, and I'm walking down the street. My mom worked like right down the street from where Variety was, and I was walking over to a place where she worked, and I'm flipping through it, and I get to the second page where the black cat walks in on him and Mary Jane after Mary Jane reveals that that she knows he's Spider-Man. I'm like, oh, my God, what's going to happen now? And it was it – was, one of the very few issues, because as a kid, you flip through this stuff. You look at the ending. It, you ruin it for yourself. But that was one of the issues where I actually wanted to see from start to finish what happened. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Man, those were the days. Were they? Yeah, the excitement was palpable. palpable. <laughs> now, well, now that you're, now I know you're such a huge Spider-Man fan, how do you, do you watch – you obviously watch movies. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about uh, his future in, in film? I think it will be interesting. Um I don't quite understand why they took it away from Sam Raimi in the first place. Mm. I'm not a fan of Spider-Man 3, but you know, them rebooting it was a little premature, I thought. Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And a, a lot of people – It's not even saying that in hindsight. Even when it came out. Yeah. yeah. People are like, wait, but we why? just did – why do you do it? We just, we just did yeah. this. Right. Well, you know, the, the funny thing about that was everybody seemed to like that first Amazing Spider-Man movie where The second out. one is by far like a, what, just an amazingly balanced, well-paced Spider-Man so superhero movie. Like, what, it's what are you talking about? Um, Raimi's second Spider-Man oh, oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Raimi's, but I was talking oh, about you're the talking amazing about the, okay, stuff. Okay, okay. Um, you know, everybody liked that first one so much, and I think Newsarama had it on their like ten best superhero movies, and it was like really Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, Amazing and, Spider-Man. and actually, I, I, Spider-Man I, Two was off the tr- off of the list. Really? And then See, I remember it. coming out of Amazing Spider-Man, even initially, like hey, that was just okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it what I thought. It didn't do what the Raimi movies. No, did No, it didn't me. feel no. like the Raimi films. Yeah. No. Um, and it was it was funny because we went and we saw it in the movie theater, and then I got it for Christmas that year, and I was so bored by it. Yeah, it just. <laughs> and not, I was like midway through it. Yeah. I'm like, God, this is really boring. Yeah. And and I really I enjoyed that second one a lot better than really? the first one. Yeah, I say I, I thought that one was bad. The second one had has its issues, um, but but some of the stuff that I liked about it was you know the Gwen and Peter stuff was great. great. They're always great. Their chemistry on screen yeah. was amazing. I the problem for me overall is Andrew Garfield. He's too goddamn good looking to be. He's too. He looks like a jock. Like he that's was cute. Peter Parker. I think he's too like good looking. Like. That kid would never be the nerd. He would never be the science nerd that girls don't talk to and that gets picked on by bullies. Uh, it just it wasn't right. Toby looked more of that part, but uh, Garfield got the humor better. Well, you know who Ron Friends actually based his Peter Parker off? No. Uh, Tom Hanks. Oh, oh young Tom really? Hanks. Yeah. yeah, I could see that right here. Yeah. Like a bosom buddies Tom Hanks, yeah, exactly. <laughs> bosom buddies era right there. Right? I, I I would go with Amazing Spider Man two. Like you said, the chemistry between Gwen and and, mm-hmm. and Andrew Garfield, Andrew Garfield's character Spider Man was great. Um, I think for me, I mean, it's the best Spider Man's ever looked in terms of like film and like action. Sure. Um, the costume looked great, but the in plot, those. but the, there were just they were they were trying There's to two. world build that yeah. plot and. F- shove so much in that so they could do these spin-off films and do Secret Six right. and do a Venom spin-off and it was just they were they went they put the cart too far ahead yeah, of the horse. They they, they did. I, I like the fact that they threw in Gwen going to England because mm-hmm. that was in the comics. Oh yeah. And that was when when they started talking about that, I was saying in the movie theater, I'm like, oh they're doing that? That's really cool. But they just like you don't need the goblin part. Let's not forget that there's Rhino well, and Paul Giamatti. Well, they, they did that, but then they did a hundred other things. Yeah, right. They did right. All these other stupid. Yeah, things. they like, did. I, how about you save some stuff? 
You know, I didn't mind his relationship with Harry Potter or Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with Sp- Harry Osborne Peter and Harry movie, Potter though. get along very well. <laughs> Look, b- moving forward, the character yeah. is back with Marvel Studios. Tom Holland, I think, is going to be awesome. So far, Marvel, when they take their characters, they have not missed the mark yet. And I'm so excited for Civil War. It's going to have Spider-Man in there mm-hmm. and then the Spider-Man What are movie. your thoughts? You know what? I, I think that these Marvel movies, I, I – I, I rank them like I do the Star Wars stuff because at this it's point they're side, all yeah. one yep, they're movie, yep. and and I, I'm sure he'll be great. I thought Ant Man was a fantastic film. It's a great film, and movie. I, I think it was better than Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh wow! Um, I wasn't a big fan of Guardians actually, to be honest. Okay. Um, you know, I, I I liked Iron Man three. I thought that one was really good. I liked Winter Soldier certainly. Winter Soldier. Um, I liked the the second Avengers movie. I thought it got a little boring at at places, um, and I didn't really like Ultron's moving mouth. But <laughs> but but the but the thing about that and and one of the things that that bothers me with a lot of this stuff is it's like okay, well, Joss Whedon is. God, he can do anything, and and it was kind of the same thing with J.J. Abrams in the Star Wars film, where it's like he's God, you know, we have to bow down before him. Everything is going to be perfect, and you build yourself up into such a state that you think it's going to be perfect, and then when it's not, it's like that movie sucked. Well, it can never right. be. Perfect. You're absolutely right yeah. because we you we do do this where we build someone up mm-hmm. so much that the expectation is unrealistic, and I think that's why it's kind of smart that. I don't know if this is on plan by J.J. I know he's going to still be affiliated with the first right. Star Wars films, but he's not directing any of the right. other ones next. So he, his star will never really burn out because he right. won't direct another Star Wars film that can fail. But he just – no, that's true. And he set up the pieces for everyone to play with moving forward. He set forward. it up, but right. even, like, even if it does, the next Star Wars film sucks – no one, you can't really point the finger at him and be right. like, it sucked because of him. Yeah, that's, he sucks. That's smart. And Joss Whedon also is done with uh, yeah, Marvel yeah. Cinema. He's, uh, he's, uh, and that's fine. Look, you did your thing. You set stuff up. Uh, if you burn out, step aside. Let's, right. uh, let someone else have it. Well, excuse me. The, the thing about, about Josh Whedon and, and that Avengers movie was he kind of came out and dissed it a little bit. He's like, oh, they made me throw that Thor stuff in. I like that stuff. Mm-hmm. There was you a know, lot, but there was a, too much – of setting up six other movies in that movie. How about – and I'll agree. Like some of the stuff is like I just want to make – he goes, I want to make, go back to making a single protagonist movie. Yeah. Sometimes these things are getting – that's why A-Man was great because it was kind of one one story, mm-hmm. one guy. There's still a bunch of fun heroes involved on the outside. Um, but I think people are getting a little fatigued with all this setup. Every movie is a setup for another movie is right. a setup for another movie. Well, I, I think, too, um, the thing about the superhero movies, you know, Steven Spielberg came out and said, well, they're like Westerns. Mm-hmm. And and he's right. It's like there's so many of them. Do you think the genre will suffer the same way that Westerns genre has suffered? Oh, it will go away for sure. And then, Absolutely. And then like 20 years later, people will be like, yeah, I'm going to make a throwback superhero movie. Right. And then we're going to look at all of our bad comic books and be like, <laughs> what am I going to do with these things? The only thing – the only counter I'd have, and I do think eventually the fad will fade – but I I do think like Western genre it's the same setting most of the time. Superheroes mm-hmm. you can put a superhero in a Western. You can sure. put a superhero in space. That's you can what put a superhero in a political espionage film like The Winter Soldier is. So you can change the locations. Mm-hmm. It still can have superheroes, but the the overall art, the overall you know feel of the movie horror crime political espionage it can change they so just, you can, you can move, keep it a little you can still you still have some leeway to keep things a little bit fresh you still make these genre movies they just happen and to, to super involve superheroes. superheroes yeah you know what i'd really like to see is um i would i'd really like to see things that are new 
And and one of the things that I've noticed about this, and I'm going to sound like an old man, but it's like this generation, everybody loves Star Wars and everybody has the toys and everything else. It's like we had that. <laughs> when I was growing up, my dad was born in the 1920s, and he grew up in the 30s and 40s. He fought in World War II. And he had, like, the Buck Rogers toy with, like, the, the sparks would fly out the end of yeah. it. And the thing right, is, that's we very didn't... safe. Remember, they used to sell toys that could start fires. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. the spark toys. Like, this is not a good idea. But he read Prince Valiant. Yeah. You know, and the spirit was Hal out Foster. then. Yeah. And, and all of this stuff that's, that's not around anymore. And I, and I actually kind of look at that and I think I kind of wish – that's what it was like now. I would love to see, you know, the last new thing that was put out, and I said Harry Potter before, but it was Harry Potter. You yeah. know, you have the Hunger Games, and that's great. And then you have all the Hunger Games, like, ripoffs where, where it's the fight to the death from, you know, a, a teenage generation. And, and there's nothing new. But you know what? It's hard. Is anything really new? Harry Potter, to me, is just like the X-Men with magicians. It's the same thing. Well, sure it is, but you know you want to. If you're going to do that, then you can say that Star Wars was <laughs> well, Buck Rogers. Uh, yeah, Star Wars was Buck Rogers. You could say Avatar was new, but that's also kind of a uh, you know Pocahontas, Pocahontas Dance of Wolves human right. story. But his concepts and designs of mm-hmm. the creatures were new. Like, is that do you is that what you want? Like, would you consider like Ant Man new? I, I just no, I don't think Ant Man is new because it's based off of a comic book. Okay, I see. You're talking um, about complete new original creations. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and um, you know, not to not to talk about about the thing that I'm doing, even though you know we no, were talking about we, before. No, that's why but we're here. One of the reasons why I. I I started doing that was because I wanted to see something new. I wanted to do something different. You know, you take a look at the early Jack Kirby Fantastic Fours. Those things are out there. They're really trendsetters. For he the time, behind... that was mind-blowing stuff. Right. Nobody had seen any of these machines or the space scenes or any of this realized. Like, it's hard to even put yourself in that right. in that time frame where you're like, this is crazy. Like, just complete eye candy, page after page. Doctor Strange, uh, the same way. Sure. Which is why I'm really excited for this new movie. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the photos of Benedict Cumberbatch. You know what? I'm trying to stay away from him, actually. Okay. okay. It's, but what they have, this, he nails it. He looks just like the suit's amazing. It looks like it's going to be trippy. You know, like the microverse scene in Ant-Man? Uh-huh. That, to me, is now we're pushing some new boundaries. We're going to see some new new elements. And I hope they take this Doctor Strange and push it even more into, like, a trippy... Because Doctor Strange in the 60s was, like, the psychedelic culture. Like, it was... Uh... Yeah, the funniest thing about that was everyone thought Dicko was getting it off of drugs, and he wasn't. Yes. And he was actually angry yeah. that his audience yeah. were, like, drug users. Steve Dicko's <laughs> a great, grumpy old man, dude. He still uh, he still lives in Manhattan, like, mm-hmm. has a studio, still draws. It, it's amazing. Stan Lee just had his birthday. He's 93? Dicko? Yeah. And, uh, no, no, Stan, Stan Lee. Lee. Oh, yeah, yeah. 93, dude. And, and Dicko is up there, too. Yes. And most of these guys are gone now yeah you know you, carmine infantino is gone yeah. you know uh, and uh you know kirby's gone um everybody from that era is gone and and these two are still around and it's i think that you know john buscema is gone i think that um of the original marvel guys i think it is only lee and dicko now wow i think you're right uh, that they, I would love to. Uh, somebody should do a documentary on Dicko before uh, people have tried. Oh, they have. Yeah. Did, did you see the In Search of? Yeah, the, is there, yeah, there's a documentary about trying to make a documentary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that always comes up. But he's just like such. He doesn't like talking to people. Uh, I wanted to get into. You had mentioned that you listened to our the trailer show yeah. with David Malofsky, and uh, 
in that trailer, in that show, I think we mentioned a trailer that you experienced with an audience. I, I, I did, and it's actually the reason, you know, you asked me about Doctor Strange, and I said, I'm not looking at the pictures. And and part of it was because of the reaction from, from the trailer. When I went to see Star Wars the first time, you know, they, they had trailers for all kinds of stuff, and one of them was the Batman versus Superman trailer. I had seen it. Okay. I, I watched it okay. online. Okay. And, um, and I, you know, I'm like, oh, wow, this is really cool looking. Uh, I'm looking forward to the movie. I'm I, I, not a huge fan of The Man of Steel, but I don't hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Affleck uh, looks really interesting as Batman. But um, I, so I'm sitting in the movie theater, and, and the Batman Superman trailer comes on. And, it, and it's going, and it's going, and people are watching it, and then Wonder Woman shows up, and half of that theater had not seen that trailer. And there was like this collective, whoa! <laughs> and, and, and it was this electricity that went through the entire theater. Wow. And it was like – and then the other half of the theater, those of us who had already seen it, like laughed at him. But, uh, but it was really cool. So there was like a, an audible gasp. And, yeah. Uh, that's cool. That's that, interesting. That's cool too because there's not many times where people are legitimately surprised. I'm yeah. surprised you could still do that with, Especially with the, yeah, with the internet these days. Like you can't – you're not surprised by anything mainstream. Like you know about stuff stuff coming up did you guys so here's the thing i wanted to a new spot came out for batman versus superman i want to play it for you guys okay we kind of shit on this movie but i just we're gonna play the spot and we're gonna discuss it okay Okay, right? Kind of cool. PG-13. Thoughts? <laughs> uh, here's my not, problem. Not, not you. Him to okay. start. <laughs> um, actually, I want to hear what Okay, Imran, what do you have to say? Okay, so listener, I'm going to link this in the show notes. Watch it. You've probably seen it by now. In this spot, the Batmobile is driving towards Superman. Superman is just standing there. And the Batmobile fucking bounces off of him like it's made of rubber. Uh, Lame. No, it's it. Oh, I I laughed. I laughed when I saw. I was like, "What? What? Just that thing just bounced off of him like it's made of. That thing should have been demolished. That makes no sense. What should have been demolished? The fucking Batmobile should not bounce off of him like that. It looks, it looks like it looks like a. It doesn't look right. What if? Do you it, agree? I don't well, know. Is well, it just me? Like the way this thing, like it should have a sound effect right here. It should go boing and okay, slide it, it to okay, the it side. It should not go boing. That, it should not do that. That that the way I don't like the way that bounced okay, off. Here, of here's okay. I have not the same issue. That's but, my problem. But if it bounces off, if a car that big bounces off of Superman, how am I supposed to believe that when he gets into a metal suit that he's going to be able to punch Superman and it affects him? That is also a good point. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Um, that's, that's that was that was my observation off of that. Well, did you think that maybe, you know, Batman is the master of all strategy? Perhaps he thought there may have been an I airbag should, on the side. Uh, no, I think that he made the car out of rubber. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> a rubber. Go. He's like that way. Whatever I hit. You know what? He solved. I think. I think. Uh, <laughs> I think Scott, Scott is uh, saving the movie for me. I don't know about this movie, Scott. I'm really nervous about this movie. I don't know if it's gonna be good. I've seen stuff that I've really liked. That was that was kind of a weird uh, trailer 
and I hadn't. But they've seen all it been kind of weird trailers. That's the they problem. They have. They have. I, I think that I had a bigger problem with with Batman and his gravelly voice saying, "You will bleed." Yeah. Even though yeah, we saw all, that, I know, we saw that in the other one. What is that? What is all that? What is all that? What's going what mean, on? What do you mean? There? Like, just why that? is he asking him that at that point? I don't. I don't know about that. It's more just the way it's delivered. The line. I don't know. I. I. I don't like. I don't know. I, we're getting Batman voice again. And he kind of looked – the way he was acting, and I'm just judging this scene for itself. Yeah. He was very non-emotive. Yeah, very stiff. A little stiff, stiff delivery. But mm. I'm seeing 20 – I'm seeing two Not seconds. Even, yeah, two right. seconds yeah. of a performance. But uh, I don't know. I'll have to see. That, this is the first one that I've seen that I haven't I, – I didn't mind the other ones. I thought they looked interesting. The, the thing about these movies that I'm not super happy about – is the fact that they're going to have the Flash in there? Yep. Flash is a fantastic TV show. Oh, so yeah, you're right. why isn't it the same guy? It should be the, absolutely. It should be the same guy. Do you watch uh, the the shows? What shows do you watch? Um, That's two questions. <laughs> they always with me. I you do watch the out. shows. Multi part questions. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm a little bit behind on Supergirl. I, I've enjoyed that program. Fine. Um, I'm watching the Flash. I was watching Arrow, and I really liked the first season, and I hate the Felicity character. Oh, oh wow. you hate – where are you in, in that? that? I stopped watching it. You oh, should wow. uh, kind of power through it. It gets better, I think. For, I've, but... Well, I, I, I got up to this year, and um, my wife and I, you know, we watch these shows together. And so we're, we're watching Arrow. And we get to the season premiere, and they're having the like little thing with the neighbors, and they're having like the the um the the Minos, M- mimosa M- thank you yep. um, and it's like it's like come on man stop that <laughs> Felicity is not a, a re- I mean she's a character but she's a background character she works very well as a background character she shouldn't be as high up as she is you know and then there's the whole thing where she's firing people because i actually watched it up to the constantine episode yeah, yeah. she runs that though, she was running that company because uh what's his name was out of the right picture. right and, and my wife stopped she's like i'm done oh, and no. i'm like all right and because she can't stand the felicity character <laughs> and 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 she's right and, and so i'm watching felicity as she's like trying to fire people and she's like i'm sorry and it's like you're a boss i you know what are you doing and then she's gonna outsmart the smart people and it's just like come on i actually kind of agree with that i i here's my thing felicity works best when she was comic relief that's what i was gonna say and when she was kind of like the nerd's voice just Mm -hmm. in in or when she's like the oracle person at the computer you know those those roles scenes but ever but it's the damn internet yeah. The internet was like they wanted Elicity, and I don't want them together. I don't like them together. Uh-huh. I don't like they, them. I, no, they're horrible. Together. They're horrible. Horrible. Like, she should be with Ray, and Oliver should not have a girlfriend. She should not be with anybody. Or, I, or, no, I, she I should be in the background. I don't like. I don't like <laughs> Felicity being romantic and being sad and being emo and being jealous. I hate it. Why aren't you sharing me. things with me? Oh my god, that you was know, so like, that was annoying. I was yeah. like, oh come on, woman, enough with that. Like that was annoying, and I don't want Elicity. Break you know, them up. You know, the the thing about that, which was interesting, is the, this new season of uh, The Flash, when they're about to introduce Patty Spivet. Yes. And I was getting really worried because they build her as the Felicity-type character. And 
She's great. She's not. She's, she's not. a great. She's character. great. Yeah. She's fantastic. I like the actress, and I know, and maybe it's the fact that I don't like the Felicity actress. It just makes. Well, look, the Flash's ensemble cast is amazing. They're yeah, oh, it's all great. So good. Speaking of the Flash, this came out. Yeah, I saw that. Kevin Smith will get to direct an episode of the Flash later in the season. That is geek. That's all sorts of geek boner because he has an awesome podcast called Fat Man on Batman, and he had mm-hmm. interviewed Andrew Kreisberg, the producer. Oh, no kidding. So I guess they're like. Hey, what? And he loves. Well, he loves everything because he's Kevin Smith. But he loves. He said he cried. And he cries all the time. He cried at the season first season finale. But I think that's great. I think that is going to be a really fun episode uh, to watch. There are no not fun episodes no. of that show. Even the filler episodes where I'm like, oh, I'm a concern. This is a filler. They're fucking great. They're so much fun. You know, when they started this, because I watched the old Flash show. So did I. And um, and he's, Anthony, were you a fan no, of the old he, Flash? I don't think he was I've, alive. I've never, I've never seen okay. an episode of Flash. Of oh, you should watch show. it. It's fun. The old one? It's, yeah. It's horrible, but it's fun. It's, no, it's not horrible. It's 90s. So it's not like 80s horrible. It's like 90s. Uh, it's 90s. oh, it's nineties worse. It's at, 90s at the, at the time, <laughs> the the show was um the was most expensive show yeah, on yeah, television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why they canceled. But I love the fact that they brought John Wesley Shippen. I love the Mark fact Hamill. that Mark Hamill is yeah. in it. Even I want to see um uh, the David Cassidy show up. Who did he play? On he played that? the Mirror Master. Oh, Cassidy did, huh? Yeah. They should have him play like uh, – They should have him be the Mirror Master's like father. His father. Because I think they have a Mirror Master, didn't they? No. no not yet. They not yet. The they don't have master. a Mirror Master. So are you excited for Legends of Tomorrow? I think it will be cool. Uh, I think it will be really cool. I'm just uh, – there's a lot of people in the show. Hopefully uh, it's not too overcrowded. And uh, I want them to bring back Constantine. I do too. I love – Constantine on the Arrow was great. Oh, my god. It was fantastic. There, well, you, you had mentioned on the show a couple – maybe ten episodes ago that – Constantine might show up or might be a character in, if they do a Legends of Tomorrow season two. Yeah, right. they, 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 they kind of want a rotating roster on that. So I had a thing about that. Yeah, they are moving forward. They're going to have the different cast. It could be kind of an anthology series of right. different teams all. But, man, I just want to see that first season of uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Like, it says Doctor Who meets um, – what was the thing? I saw it somewhere. Doctor Who meets something else. Doctor Superhero who? and time traveling basically. Doctor okay. Who? Yeah. Justice League meets Doctor Who is how – one review is describing Legends oh, of Tomorrow. Oh, I thought you were saying literally Doctor Who, the care. I'm like, that no, doesn't no. make any sense. Well, isn't one of the doctors in it, there? Well, he is. He's okay. uh, Rip Hunter, who's the time-traveling guy. I believe he was a doctor. No, no, so, no right? it's, you're talking about Dr. Stein. No, no, Dr. St- no, 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 no. The guy uh, playing Rip Hunter was a Doctor oh, Who. Doctor played who. a Doctor right. Who. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm looking at your, at your thing there um, that you're scrolling up, and, and I see Gotham. Oh. Yes. Do you, are you a fan of Gotham? No. Good. Ah, we we started out reviewing the show and we we dropped it because we're like because mm-hmm. at the end of every show I'm like what the fuck Gotham what is this what are you doing it's a total mess these characters are not the characters they're supposed to be right and uh, but it's entertaining and a, like a guilty pleasure like doesn't mean nothing kind of like Supergirl for us we're well, we're still on the fence about Supergirl I feel like they both are. They're pandering to a wide audience and they're just all screwing right. with all the mythology in the canon and doesn't really care. Um, I, I, I'm behind on Supergirl. I'm, I'm about three or four episodes behind actually. Um, I think I stopped watching it Thanksgiving not because I had a problem with it but I just started watching other things. Um, and I, I, I'm watching it um, basically during my lunch hour at work. And, uh, and so I just haven't gone back to it. And I, I, you know, I know John Jones is in it. Uh, I will say, Anthony, I watched the most recent episode of Supergirl, and it's getting a little bit better. It was the least groan-inducing episode 
yet. Well, he likes it, so. And uh, you know what? Melissa Benoist, she's a really good Supergirl. Like, she's playing a good Supergirl. I, I think some of the stuff, if you look at it as if it's just fun, then it's fine. The, the beginning of the season to me was just so spoon-fed, pandering, like – uh, uh, just d- treating the viewer like they were idiots, like it was just aggravating. A little you know, bit. I was worried about it when I saw the preview. Yeah, you know, the, the preview, preview. Yeah, the pilot. The pilot. Oh, it looked so bad. No. But but the pilot. I thought the pilot was fine. You know, you can't get worse than that preview was. And and didn't people like run that against the Saturday Night Live Black Widow? Oh yeah, they were like, you just made a rom com. Oh yeah, just like this for real. Yeah. I, wait. So wait. You think so? Supergirl's fun. I want to hear your your bashing of Gotham. So, do you think, um, what's the problem what's with Gotham? I got Gotham? to to episode three, I think, of the first season. Of the first season, oh, that's oh, it. Wow. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, that's all early. I needed. You quit real early. <laughs> I, I, I saw what where this was going, and I was just like, no, wow, he didn't even give really it a chance. Early. Nope, absolutely not. It's like this is forty five minutes to an hour out of my life that I'll never get back. That's that's kind of my view on it too. Is Imran like still watches it because he's like, oh, it's it's fun if you turn your brain off, yeah, and I'm like, but you don't get that time back. No, right? no, you don't. <laughs> There's plenty of good and stuff, to, of good watch, stuff to watch, actually. That, you know, you know uh, I've read a ton of articles, and uh, you know, it seems like you watch a lot of TV, right? Or, uh, a, good, a decent some. amount of TV. Okay, so Yimran watches TV. It's, there, a lot of people say we're kind of in a golden age of television series. There's a lot of it, uh, and I think this cable stuff the has Netflix been fantastic. Stuff. Well, let me ask you yeah. this, dude. We're all we're kind of the same age. When we were kids, could you imagine all this st- stuff on television? It's pretty amazing. You know, I was watching um, one of the shows that I liked when I was when I was growing up was War of the Worlds. Was it was it live action? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. War of the Worlds. Yeah, it By was. Um, it started out. Yeah, yeah. It was based on the old 1953 oh, movie. Okay. And when it started out, it was. Um, it was produced by the uh, the people who, by some of the people who did Star Trek: The Next Generation. It was on for two seasons, right? Or I and, had never watched this, and, and they uh, they took it away from them and they gave it to the people who were doing Friday the Thirteenth the series. And so the the first season is good. I I I, I enjoyed it. In the second season, they changed it completely, so it was like this post apocalyptic place, and, and the characters were the same, but the continuity was kind of was kind of screwed up. Um, but it was really interesting. Interesting, and, and they they put all this effort into it, and people complain because they changed it. They changed it a lot. I mean, they they changed it to the point of like, how could you ever do this to the show? <laughs> and I, I guess that under the dome series, yeah, which I, I started I, watching. Oh my god, that's a disaster! I started oh, really? watching that too, and I what watched. It's based off a Stephen King uh, novel. That's basically one day this town. Chesterfield, uh, they wake up and there's a giant dome just covering their town. Nobody knows how it got there. And there's all these weird things with this glowing egg in the middle. What channel is this show? It was, it was on, on CB- ABC? CBS. Was it CBS? I think it was CBS. Okay, I thought it was ABC. This I was, was watching the show? DVDs. Yeah, yeah okay. it, it, it only had four seasons and it just got really bad because then the book only takes place like within a week. So then the show had to go beyond that, right. and it turned into like there's alien pods underground, and they were controlling their mind in like a matrix. It was a fucking disaster. I was like, I, I can't, I don't know what's going on. I liked it at first because uh-huh. you're like, what, what is this dome? Is the military involved? And they were getting oh, in and, and they out. Were gonna and they were going to blow it up. They were, and they, they couldn't. You can't. They shot missiles at it. It did nothing. Hmm. And uh, they they blew up the area around it, and the dome was protected, and the dome would react to emotions, and there was weird things with butterflies. It yeah. would turn black. It had a couple of good things going, but I don't think they knew what, where they wanted to go with it, and it just fucking fell apart. Well, for recommending shows, you need to uh, 
get the Netflix on your TV so you can watch. Daredevil oh, I know. And Jessica Have Jones. you seen Daredevil or Jessica Jones? Um, we made it through the first four or five episodes of Daredevil, and and we're coming off the the third season of Arrow. You know, and the okay. third season is really intense. Yeah. And then we start watching Daredevil. That's and super the King intense. Ping, the yeah. Kingpin is smashing somebody's head in yes, the car door. Yes. You know, kind of like Doomsday did in that old Superman comic. Yep. Book. And 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 we're watching. And I'm like, I don't think I can handle this right now, <laughs> dude. It's and intense and it's dark. The, well, the funniest thing is, um, you know, I mentioned Len Straczynski before, and we had we had dinner not long ago, and I and I and he goes to me, "Are you watching Jessica Jones?" I'm like, "Well, Len, we don't have cable right now." He goes, and he just goes, "I've never gone to bed and had disturbing dreams about things before in my life, <laughs> but this is really, really, you know, intense." That's the perfect tease for you to watch. Yes. Right? Yeah, right. Look, for my money. Daredevil, Jessica Jones, the best thing Marvel's made. Once you watch those shows, all other superhero shows pale in comparison. It's almost hard to watch because there's such a high bar set by mm-hmm. these Netflix productions. We're getting Daredevil season two early. March 18th will be out. Like, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Yeah, you know, the weird thing about that is Netflix isn't offering discs of Daredevil. No. No, they want you to get on. It's to straight their, digital, right. only digital. digital. Yeah. It's not like do they still send out? Yeah, he's doing. He's gets. Oh, you still get it in the oh, mail. Yeah, yeah. They, they do the mail. Do, thing. They still do the mail I, thing. I figured they're gonna cut, but they're they're, they're, they're but they're eventually gonna probably yeah. Yeah. That yeah. out. They, that's why they don't offer those discs of their original right. TV series. Well, you know the 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 thing that uh, I've noticed too about all of the streaming stuff. I, my my wife is a big proponent of it. You know, she loves the streaming, and what I've seen is you can't stream everything. And I'm an old movie fan. I like the old Cary Grant stuff and the old Jimmy Stewart stuff, and none of that. You can't. Well, they really take spend. stuff off and they put right, stuff yeah, on. And then so they, take, they do that. That's too. the worst. Is when sometimes I'll I want to recommend something I saw to someone and it's not on anymore, and I'm like, oh shit, sorry, dude. I guess it's not on there. Yeah, it's just it, it's kind of annoying. And one of the things that that we, we've been talking about is I want to build a DVD library uh, of all the old stuff. You know, the old Universal monster movies. Those, those are, are great, great yeah. to watch. Yeah. During Halloween, um, you know, when when I was growing up, uh, Channel Nine used to do different different marathons around New Year's. New Year's Eve, they always showed the Bank Dick by with W. C. Fields. They always showed the Marx Brothers Duck Soup. Oh yeah, and duck then soup. and then on New Year's Day, they would they would do. Different marathons. So one year, uh, right after Cary Grant died, they did only Cary Grant movies. Uh-huh. The next year, they they did all the Oscar winners. And so going back, so I was watching um, Casablanca and, and From Here to Eternity and all these really cool movies, and they don't do that anymore. There should be a streaming service just for like classics, <laughs> classic Turner classics. Oh yeah, you know. Let's uh, we'll wrap it up. Do your with some final plugs and wrap it up then. Yeah. Okay, cool. Scott, man, thanks for stopping by in this. It's minus nine degrees outside, by That's the way. That's crazy he, cool. uh, he's, uh, Thanks for coming over. The oh, no, it's my pleasure. Thank um, you for having me. Give us one last... Uh, Where can uh, yeah. people check out visitations? Yeah, exactly. Um, I have a website that is in the midst of being built. It looks pretty good. Um, yeah, it's getting there. You know, I haven't put the logo on or anything yet, but it's visitationscomicbook.com. Um, and then I've got a blog. I haven't really uh, updated it in probably a couple months. Um, and that is 15 minutes till midnight at blogspot.com. And to get the free copy of Visitations, what does a listener need to do? Email me. And the email, once again? It is uh, visitationscomicbook.com. 
at gmail.com. All right. I'll put all those links in the show notes. That's awesome. Great. I want a copy thanks. of it when it's done. Uh, thanks for coming down, man. This was great. And uh, thanks for uh, – yeah, We got to know about your, your – you know, about the visitations and then we got to know a little bit more about uh, what you like and what you don't like. I think this is great. I think the audience is going to like you and I think the audience is going to like visitations. Thanks for sharing yeah. the Variety Comics store, stories. Yeah, too. and this like, wouldn't have happened without Variety Comics. I should have contacted him for that show, but – that's an addendum now. We added that to, well, to the story. You know, I knew you guys were coming. And it was one of those things where, you, you know, you, sometimes I don't feel like I should put attention on myself on stuff. And so you guys were there on a Saturday it, or a Sunday? It was a Sunday. Sunday yeah. Okay. And uh, and so I kind of I, I stayed away on purpose yeah. because I wanted the customers to speak for themselves. I hadn't been back there for years. Yeah. And um, I – I hadn't been back there for probably for about 25 or 30 years. And so when I started going in, I wouldn't have counted as a regular customer. You know, I, I went in for that last couple months and bought a lot of stuff. But it wasn't exactly the same place that I grew mm-hmm. up in. Mm-hmm. I actually think that the people who were running it were fantastic. Yeah, Vince's and, great. Mike oh my great. God. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. They were just wonderful people. And I was I was sad that it closed, um, but I I got the last stuff out of it, at, uh, you know, just as it was closing. Um, so you know, I I just didn't want to steal any kind of thunder from anyone who actually had been going for the thirty years. I think that it was their moment. It was the moment for for the for the store. Yeah, we got to meet that one guy who was there coming there for like twenty years, uh, biking there. Like that was a great. Story. Oh, that was cool. That so was really and like cool. yeah, and he just he literally had his yellow vest on. He's like, I've been coming here every Saturday. So uh, it's a good episode fifty, listener. If you haven't checked out Jock Nerd podcast, um, but listen before we go out, I got to uh, do our. Final calls to action, of course. Uh, if you want to contact us, just go to jockunder.com slash contact. There's links to our email, Facebook, Twitter. You can send an audio comment. Uh, also, subscribe to the show, people. It's a it's free. You'll get every episode right in your pocket. Just go to jockunder.com slash review. It'll take you right to the uh, iTunes page. And then finally, Anthony, what are they going to do? I think they should just probably tell a friend. Sure. You want. Go up to your friend. And whisper in their ear. Chuck and nerd. They might. Uh, they you might, might. You might not get them. They could, yeah, they, they might be like, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. Which is the reaction we want because this is a Chuck and nerd podcast. Scott, thanks for hanging out and turning people on to visitations. Listener, thank you for listening. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the jock. He's the nerd. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> Now it's the post show. Have you, have you ever been on a podcast before? No, it's the first time. Oh, nice. All right. Podcast Perry. Wow. Well, excuse me. <laughs> podcast Cherry Pop. I what, love what'd it. What did you think? Oh, I thought it was really cool. Do you listen to podcasts at all? I do. Um, I oh, listen- Word Balloon, you mentioned. Yeah, Word Balloon is, is great. And uh, John Suntress is a Chicago guy, and I talk to him quite often. I have not been on his show. He's 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 got um, a lot of really big name people. Yeah, what's he, that show about? It's just a probable creation? Yeah, he, talk, he talks to a lot of different people. He's talked to the Star Trek guys um, real recently. He talks to all, all the different writers, all the different artists. He's a very busy. He's a, he's a sports reporter here in the city. He's a really oh. busy guy, but he's, he's great. He, very personable. Um, Word balloons. You're going to have to put us in touch with him. And, uh, yeah, I will. To, I will, uh, definitely. 
uh, maybe a little crossover or something. Yeah, something. That's great. Figure it out. Yeah, I, I will do that. And um, right now, I'm not listening to a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of podcasts. There's just so many out there. There's, There's a ton. It's, it, that's the problem. It's very overwhelming. It's hard for the you know a little independent show to rise above because it's getting more and more. Uh, Big money shows like mm-hmm. NPR is putting lots of public radio money. Guys are leaving NPR to start uh, companies that do podcasts and they have tons of money behind them and like serial. And these shows are always – they're becoming – the advertisers are looking at these shows. I don't know the state of the independent podcast. It's going to get harder, especially as it's like everyone's like it's blowing up. More shows are starting. Uh, so it's hard. It's like the signal to noise ratio. How do you break through the noise? Well, I, th- I think that um – and same thing with the with comic the, book, you know. If you oh yeah, yeah, that's exactly exact what I was going to say. Yeah. The uh, the crowdfunding thing, everybody is doing it, mm-hmm. you know. And it's um, I did, I actually participated in one. So are you going to use Kickstarter when you do it? No. What are I'm, you going to use? I'm going to use um, the other one, the Indiegogo. Thing. Oh, Indiegogo. Okay. And and and, and mostly, and this, uh, you know, I don't know if this really shows that I'm I'm confident in my work or not. But it's like the the thing with Kickstarter is if you fail to reach your goal, and even if you're like that close, it's over. Mm-hmm. And with the Indiegogo thing, um, if, if if you don't make it, you're still able to recoup a little bit, and you can still work on uh, oh. what you're doing. And as a matter of fact, there's um, <laughs> there there's this uh, there are these girls in California who are doing the show this um, this web show called Stalking Lavar, and they're following Lavar Burton around. Oh. <laughs> Or people who they think is LeVar. Oh, that's hilarious. And it's, it's you know, some of them were good. Some of them weren't. Um, and and they're, 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 oh, my God. It's, it's I really... love Look, I love reading Rainbow. Sometimes that shit is hilarious. You ever watch old episodes? There was one where he was in a cave, and they're walking around the cave with the tour guide, and LeVar's like, hey, what's that? And the guy's like, uh, those are stalactites, LeVar. And he looks down and he points at him, hey, what's that? And he goes, uh, those are stalagmites, LeVar. But I fucking, I've always loved reading Rainbow. Best theme song in public television. <laughs> Even better than Sesame Street? Mm, I don't know. The Sesame Street one is pretty catchy. Uh, what is the Sesame Street? The Sesame Street one is, I wait, now I have to remember both these. Time. Sesame Street theme song is, hold on, look, we're just going to have to do a little uh, sound test. By the way, we don't know if any of this will make the show. Oh, it probably will. <laughs> Doesn't Disney own Sesame Street now? Do they own Sesame Street also? No, probably. Well, they own half of the world. Uh, Warner Brothers owns the other half. But the audio. Because, like, if you think about it, like, they own Lucasfilm, too, dude. I How know, crazy is that? I didn't even realize that. What are you talking about? They bought it, like, four years ago? I know, for $4 billion. Oh, this is so old school. Ah. Uh. This one is like a this recent a, one. This is a different yeah, one. I don't remember this yeah. one. Okay, play an older. We're one. gonna go old school. Hold on. Yeah, I want like the seventies one. So you didn't know that Disney owned Lucasfilm? No, I knew that. He knew that. He's just, he just talking <laughs> out of his ass. 
<laughs> well, now, have you seen that petition to get George Lucas to come back to Star Wars? That is complete. Yeah, there's a petition. Oh, yeah. Why? Why? I signed it for fun. <laughs> I had to. How you're, can you not? No, you're going to do it. No. He's not going to do it. He's don't, those... He doesn't like it. No. He, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't... shit on The Force Awakens. He called no, Disney White no, Slavers. No, no, no. Did you watch the interview? He Was it out of context? Of course. Yes, like, of course Like, knee-jerk reactionary. So, so, basically, it was an hour-long interview, and Lucas... Lucas talked about Star Wars for five minutes. Okay. And what happened was, you know, they're, they're interviewing him. They're like, well, what about Star Wars? And he said, I wanted to do my science fiction movie. And it grew to something, you know, unmanageable. And it, it went way past my expectations. And, and he's like, and then you sold it. And he's like, yeah, I sold it. And because, you know, I wanted to see it go forward, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, well, how did you – this is Charlie Rose interviewing him. Charlie Rose says, well, how did you feel about, you know, uh, about these movies? And he said, well, they're my children. He said, well, you sold your children. And he goes, yeah, I sold them to life's white slavers. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, and then they moved on. Oh, it was on. a joke. Yeah. He, that, oh, my God. And he had to apologize for that. I wish he didn't apologize. I wish he'd been like, look, I was fucking joking. Listen to the whole thing, you asshole. Well, well, the thing he didn't like about about where they were going to – what they were going to do the movie was because he felt that it was going to go too retro. And oddly enough, that's the that's the criticism yeah. that everybody yeah. has with the movie. Yeah. Too many callbacks to yeah. maybe a little – you know, there's a fine line they were trying to I, – I myself would have uh, appreciated a little more new stuff. They, add, they dropped a lot of seeds for the new things to sure. set up. I would appreciate a little more exposition, maybe a little bit like it's the same story. Too many of the same story tropes. Like again, another third fucking Death Star, really. Yeah, you know, I, and and we we were talking before. Um, but was that necessary to have to do that for to reintroduce it? It and to didn't keep it feel like a real threat. Just like the droid thing in Episode One didn't feel like a real threat. Um, was it, what was the droid in Episode One? It, um, the, it was You're it was the. the yeah, yeah. What was it? The, <laughs> Jar Jar Binks. BB BB eight's awesome though. Come on. You oh, he was lie. great. He, he was, was great. Great puppeteering. Okay, wait. Let's go back to the fucking Susby Street because now, okay, nineteen sixty nine to present. It says. Let's see. It says the right one. Is this all of them? It might be. Yeah. We might be here for a while. Uh, no, no, it's only a minute. Oh. Man, I don't. I think this is not doesn't this resonate is, with me at all. I've watched like, a ton of Sesame Street. Oh, I think it's cutting through. Yeah, see, it's going through like. Oh, this is bogus. Then it became this. Okay, but compare that to this song. You, everybody knows this song. Come on. I don't know. I haven't fucking heard it yet. I actually, I never heard it either. Really? Yeah. Butterfly in the sky. Oh, yeah. See, the first line. I can go twice as high. Take a look. Oh, it's Jesus. in a book. A reading rainbow. What was this show about? This is about books that came to life? I think it was about books. LeVar, LeVar Burton would, like, he would pick a book or he'd go around and talk to weird things. And then, like, kids would come on and recommend books. Huh. It was about reading a books and Sounds like a bullshit show. It's a child. I love this show. <laughs> Reading Rainbow was great. Because then you watch uh, Star Trek: Next Generation, you're like, "There's Lavar's Jordy LaForge. He was on Reading Rainbow." <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Lavar Burton. Oh, okay, that's fine. 
Uh, it was a good, so, like, so yeah, when you whenever you get a chance, take a look at the stalking Lavar because it, stalking Lavar. I, I like the concept. I mean the the girls are the, the girls are very sweet, and, um, and and some of them they hit the marks and some of them they don't. But going back to what I was saying before, they they had an Indiegogo ca- campaign, and um, for some reason I missed it. Or I almost missed it. It was on Twitter, and um, they started following me a couple of years ago, right when I got on Twitter. And and I looked at their stuff. I thought it was great. They're still following me. I followed them. You know, you know how Twitter works. Um, and, and so I've been keeping up with what they've been doing. And any of the follow Fridays, I tried to throw them nice. in there. Yeah. Um, and, but they had this Indiegogo campaign because they wanted to do season two, and I almost missed it. You know, I got it. I found it at the oh, last minute. So you minute. Su- you help support them? Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Um, you know, anytime you can help support somebody, I I try to. And, and and they they didn't get the whole thing, but they did get enough in order to to move forward. Oh, so you still get something? Yeah, That's right. nice. I right. just like all these. Like, there's Patreon also, which is another like it's an ongoing uh, yeah. crowdfunding thing. Where like like for podcasts, that's what you'd use. You'd be like, hey, pl- you know, pledge a dollar a month and we'll give you some bonus content and it's just to cover like hosting expenses and, you know. But you could do it as little as a dollar a month. Uh, but I just love that this is all to support the arts. Like you can make money for your independent film or comic book or, or TV web series or podcast. Now. Well, there, there's so much out there though and, and I've supported a couple of people on pay- Patreon. I supported John Suntress on Patreon. I supported uh, Jill Pantosi who is a uh, comic book reporter um, and she's she's worked for I believe she's worked for Newsarama. She she's worked for for Mary Sue. She I think she's working for Tor Books now. But and, and she's um she she's a, a very interesting reporter. She's a nice person. Um, but it's like it, it's great that you're you're giving money to people. But after a while, it becomes how far do I go with this? Yeah. You know, it's I, I can go out on Michigan Avenue and someone will come up and ask me for money and I'll be like, oh, here you go. And then a block later, there's somebody else and then somebody else and then somebody else. And and yeah. I think that people are really depending on this stuff too much. Yeah, and it starts to be like you – I'll support yours if you support mine. Yeah. Like that's how you started. Um, at the same time, it's democratizing a lot of things. But yeah, maybe they're, they're relying on it too much. Uh when you get your setup, let us know. We'll plug it on the show and sure. stuff. Yeah, and we definitely we'd will. love to like be interested in hearing about the strategy you used. Well, to. I, I'll I'll tell you. Um, the uh, the the second issue is a crowdfunder, but the right. third issue is not. Okay. And I don't want to um dip into that well too much because it's everybody is doing it, and I I'm doing it more of an experiment. Don't don't get me wrong. I hope that it's very successful. And I will I will push it as much. And there's um there there's this lady who does this um this webcomic called uh Boston Metaphysical. I actually haven't read it. Um she's she's a Facebook friend, she's a Twitter follower friend, and um and she does she basically makes her comics come to life through the crowdfunder stuff. She oh. does Kickstarter. She wrote this really great book on how to do a Kickstarter and, and she's been helping me a little bit on this stuff. And and I was telling her, you know, well, this is what my plan is. I'm giving the first issue away for free. I'm doing it at the convention, and I want to make sure that you know there's an ad in the in the first. I, I don't think I mentioned this before, but in the PDF that I'm giving to people, the last page is an ad for the next one. Yeah. Um. And the ad, if it, it, depending on how many I get printed, the ad will probably just be something I slip into the book. Um. 
And and I, I want people to to follow it, but if it is unsuccessful, I'm not going to be crestfallen. And I'll, I feel that there's a lot of people who are really riding it's, this yeah, wave. Yeah. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't go, it's like their entire world crashes mm-hmm. down. And I, I, I just think that you need to depend on more than just people giving. You know, and I think giving is wonderful, and I, I think that supporting the arts is wonderful. And I have done it. I have contributed to people's campaigns. I, I have contributed to, to the Patreon stuff. I'm happy to do it, but I just I, I fear that it's it's too dependent. And the thing with the internet, which is really which is really neat, I think, is you know I mentioned originality during the show. And how I don't feel like there's any originality left mm. because everything is Spider-Man, everything is Star Wars, everything is everything Batman, is, everything yeah, is things yeah. we've already seen, right? right. And, yeah. and and there's a new Harry Potter movie coming out. Yeah, that's like it's it's a it's based on a book in the. I know it is in the original. Like it's not based on a book. It's based on a book in the story. Well, have oh, you seen weird. the trailer? No, the trailer? Oh, no I, I wasn't really a big Harry Potter guy. Uh, I've never seen any. I've I, seen one it, Harry Potter. Film. What's it called? Oh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. It's a cool trailer. It Let's looks really neat. The trailer, but it's like, how many times do you go back to the well on this stuff? Let's have a look at this because I haven't seen. Oh, this is announcement trailer. Where's the? Is that? Oh, that's it. That's, that's it. That's okay. it. We're still a year away from it. So this is a story within a story? Yeah, where, where does this fit in Harry Potter? Yeah, I'm not a big guy. I guess uh, for Harry Potter fans, this is huge. Well, it's just – as a Harry Potter fan, I'll tell you what I think. Because yeah. I, do li- I do like the movies. Okay. I do like the books. I feel like it's a money grab. Yeah. Now, now we've got – you know, David Yates is directing it. He directed the last four films. Okay. And he's so good. And J.K. Rowling's good- writing and producing it. Yeah. She needs, going back like, to the she needs more fucking money? Really? But what, so I don't understand. Is it – it's – Within this Harry Potter universe, yeah, there, there a, is a book. book. There is a book in the story called Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And to my knowledge, that's pretty much where that ends. They just mention it. A couple that's times it. There's no the backstory, anything. For oh, that. so right. this could be like a story within the story. Or it could be like a spinoff of right. Harry Potter. You don't know. Right. There's a little bit more mystery to this, I guess. There is, and uh, I thought the trailer looked cool. So uh, did she write a book called this too, or is it, no? no so it's just a book just, referenced in a book. Yes. Right. Okay. Got and it. this is a movie. Based on a book referenced in one of our books that could possibly exist entirely within the fictional world of Harry Potter. Well, right, and 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 the problem that I have with this is it's like before they started making these new Star Wars films, you know, they were doing like the Clone Wars, and they were doing they were going to do the TV show of what happened in between. Yeah, that got canceled. Didn't they're, it? they're talking about. They're, oh, they're it's still, not dead yet. Okay, they're still talking about that. But it's like it's I want to see a live action. TV well, then I'll, I'll ask you this. Sure. Since you're you know you're having uh, issue with um, non original stuff, sort of um, two examples. They did the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Then they dragged out the Hobbit for three movies. Was that necessary? Um, my sister-in-law is a huge, huge Tolkien fan, and she dragged us to see that first Hobbit movie. Yeah, and I felt like I was watching Peter Jackson masturbate for three. Hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! That's the line of the night, That's right a line there. Of the night. <laughs> yeah, please don't quote me on that. <laughs> That's where we're gonna end the show, right there. <laughs>